We're doing villains now. I'm Dracula. Hi, and welcome to Pass the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast, where we look at all the various films and films nominated for MTV Movie Awards in various categories and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost movie expert. And I'm Ben Craig, a foremost villainy expert. And today we are joined, once again, by a popular film Twitter personality and U2 expert, William Taylor. Hello. Uh, hey, William, how are you doing? I'm doing... I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. So, I'm excited to talk about this truly incredible selection of movies. Yeah, it's it's one of the interesting things with like best villains of ours. You you get a nice variety, even when it's. I think this is the first year we've had where there there isn't a movie that's just. An, an unassuming stranger and yeah inserts themselves into the lives and turns out to be bad as in there but instead it's just classic action and yeah. lion lions yeah and <laughs> i mean there's some action the there's IRA. yeah lions action lion action you know you you really Disclosure. all the gamuts are covered by this year's selection yeah it takes us from everywhere from a bus to virtual reality corridor. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of a lot of. Uh, it's weird. I feel like there's the most variety this year, but we also have like two like demolition people in this list as well. I mean, yes, that just blow up things. Yeah, two very similar bomb movies obviously like very different in some ways but it is ultimately yeah there's only so many ways you can film people with bombs so and yeah yeah <laughs> do you think the do you think the bomb city or having two bomb movies nominated in 1995 was because everyone was still reeling from the Oklahoma City bombings? Well, well, now I need to know if the Oklahoma City bombings were before the ceremony. <laughs> April 19th, 1995. Yeah, it was. I was just like, wait a minute. It was, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I Honestly, this is, in this case, I'm, this is much too soon. I, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> God. I'm glad this... to have an American tragedy to reference that wasn't like 9-11. Just... Yeah, mixing it up. No, I, especially after... I'm glad after last week's, um, I think, talks of, uh, of of killing the president, we now have like a oh. lot of bombs oh, wow. talk of blowing up Now people. I need to know In what... line of fire. I need... Okay, okay, that makes sense. It wasn't just, it wasn't just idle threats, it was relevant to the movies. Yeah, we, everyone we said something that. questionable. Ethan <laughs> told everyone to get over the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> I mean, I think he's... we made that the episode title. I'm committing to that. Just, <laughs> I mean, you know, he's maybe not wrong in some ways. So you know, maybe you, that maybe yeah, maybe yeah. I'm getting put on a watch list with him after that. But you know, I got sometimes you got to speak your truth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, uh, this is a long list of episodes I have to pull if we ever get popular in any way. Just <laughs> listen. This podcast, you know, just wants to, you know, take take uh, people still sad about the Kennedy assassination down a peg. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'd argue we've already gone worse than that with Oklahoma City. That's maybe rawer than the Kennedy assassination. 
Yeah. But I say I I say that, and I say we should dig further down. I say this by the end of this podcast, we will have all gotten canceled, one way or another. <laughs> well, we're talking about the Irish again, so um, could get there. Yeah, yeah. If we if we slip up, I mean, we got some sensitive subjects here. We got the troubles. Yeah. We got sexual harassment. You know, we got lions. Yeah. We got it all. Yeah. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. We got affirmative action hires. Just <laughs> we got gay vampires. You know, it's it's a whole yeah, the whole exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so William, um, I think last uh, time, obviously, we asked you about ki- kissing history before, but now new category. So, what's your experience with villainy or evil in movies or otherwise? <laughs> hmm, that's a good question. Uh, real life, you know, I don't think I've encountered. Certainly not villains on the level of these guys. These guys are just bad news all around. I'll say it. Like none, I would not invite any of them to a party if I went to parties. But uh, not even Scar. I mean, maybe he he seems fun, but otherwise, yeah, he he seems like he could keep it together for a party. You know what? I say yeah. that now. I'm thinking I may want Lestat in the, to come to a party with me. That would be something. <laughs> you know he. Yeah, he's lively at least, ironically perhaps. But okay, so my real life villainy history. Uh, I've met a few people who I really did not like, who I really even today, years later, kind of think back on and loathe. But I don't know if I could call them villains. I think they're just annoying people. I don't think they would get nominated in this category if they were in movies, and I don't know their names, so I won't out them on a public forum but they know who they are if they ever listen to this yeah yeah experience of the real life yes. villainy. yeah I, real life villains tend to be not as interesting as movie villains yeah the the, the, the per, this person i'm thinking of was just like talk basically talked like quentin tarantino that was the extent of his villainy he was just so fucking irritating was it Quentin Tarantino? It was not. It was a college student. <laughs> but if, but it, 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 if it was, you wouldn't say that. No. <laughs> if it was Quentin Tarantino himself, I'd respect him more than I respect this kid. Okay. okay. We we can we can move on now. I've really I've already started digging a hole. We started. We keep gonna keep digging d- deeper holes over the course of this episode. Yeah, it's maybe a, it's just it's me. A cancellation episode. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, yeah. Exactly. So the 1995 MTV Movie Awards were, of course, hosted by John Lovitz and Courtney Cox. Um, the, the dream team. <laughs> the dream team. What was John yeah, Lovitz promoting? Deal. I know Courtney Cox. That was around when Friends started. But what was John Lovitz up to? He was. He did not have a movie this year, so he was just. He's just in the ether. Good for him. Yeah, I. It's possible that they everyone just enjoyed it, like him and like Courtney on Friends together so much, like with his, like, because there's an episode pretty early into the run where she needs like a new job and he's like a prospective employer and he's just high, like it's. Yeah, then I guess that's <laughs> it. I, wow. Yeah, it, it's just it's a funny poll where they're like, yeah, John Lovitz. Um, I mean, this is probably the only year that this this specific pair could happen. Because ne- yeah. once Friends gets too big, I don't think they would get Lovitz, too. They would get another friend, probably. 
Yeah, and I think, like, Courtney also does, like, Scream the next year, so they're, like, which also really boosts her profile a lot, but... Yeah. Yeah, and this is also the, um, the titular speed year, um, where it just absolutely, like, like, swept wins and nominations. Yeah, Speed, uh, yeah, Speed William is the second most nominated movie in MTV Movie Awards history with nine nominations. Wow, I'm surprised nine is the, like, that high up. I would expect, like, because Oscars have a few, at least tens, but what, what's the, what's the most? Uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens, which was disappointing because we were getting so close. We were like, maybe it's just speed. And then... Wow. <laughs> I, I like Force Awakens, but that is a definite downgrade, I would say. In, yeah. In many it's... respects. Yeah, no, it definitely definitely doesn't capture, you know, all the, the quippiness of speed. <laughs> it, it really has it all. Yeah. Speed, I'll say, part of the reason... Because there are a lot of eight nomination films, including, I think, the first Twilight. And part of what Speed gets is it's during those years where they're still doing the most desirable male and female category. Um, yeah, that probably yeah. boosts it. <laughs> yeah, most desirable male that year being, yeah, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, every male cast member, main male cast member of Interview with the Vampire, like Pitt, Cruz, and Slater all represented. <laughs> I, I put, and then I, Andy I, Garcia <laughs> in When a Man Loves a Woman. This is, yeah, this, Wait, like, this is a bad category. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm glad you're not doing yeah, like, it on why, this. This is awful. Listen, no hate, no hate the Slater. I'm not a Slater hater. But like, why? For yeah, that yeah. Movie? You have two other people, <laughs> male people from Interview with the Van. You have Antonio fucking Banderas looking like yeah. that, and you go with Slater. <laughs> Jesus, come on. Even Stephen yeah. Ray, like, go with him. He's yeah. having fun. I'd fuck him. Yeah. Also, like, yeah. Like, also, like, you know, maybe this stretches the definition, but like. Really, you're gonna pick Christian Slater over Mufasa over? over I mean, um, I I mean, we don't want to get James. I o. assume they did like, not want to get listen. into matters of bestiality at the MTV <laughs> Movie Awards. We will, we will probably, but they didn't <laughs> exactly. Want to. Like, like, listen, you know, like, I'm 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 not a furry, but like, even I'm not, but I'm also not a liar, so. Like, come on. Like, his his vocal performance, his booming voice, and you're going to pick Slater over that? I mean, he's also a cartoon, in addition to being, like, a lion. Well, <laughs> I'll say. Um, and, and we'll get into this when we talk about Lion King, but, uh, like, a, a couple years, or almost two, two years ago, it was, like, summer 2020, I, I did a now-defunct podcast called Vaulting the Walt, which looked at directed video Disney sequels where I talked about Lion King 2. And in and then in kind of in the middle of recording and talking about it, uh, one of the hosts of that podcast, uh, my friend Sam, like, found images of, like, people had done of, yeah, Mufasa and Scar dressed in, like, essentially... And from and like clothes and looking. Oh, I think I've I see that on my Instagram like once every like month or week. 
Um, and, and you're, and you're the one posting them too. <laughs> exactly, like it's my fault. Um, I am sending. <laughs> those are those are really funny. I'm I like sending those. them in our chat. Art words, right? Is he wearing loafers? <laughs> Yeah, those are the ones. They have one for literally every main character. <laughs> just, just wait till you see how like Scar is like dress, dressed in focus. It is like Mufasa. They just have in a normal outfit. Yeah, like I said, he is and wearing he is wearing loafers, which is a very odd choice. <laughs> uh, well, Kenny, now I'm gonna have to retweet these pictures when this episode comes out, so people are in the loop. Mm. And they're gonna be really lost if they rely on me to know when we when we post. Yeah, always good to do visual. Like, look at this bits in this audio medium. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, but another interesting thing about the most desirable categories is Demi Moore got a nomination in that for this closure, which seems counterproductive in a few different ways. But <laughs> I mean, yes, yeah, obviously that specific role is a bad choice for that category. But I will say that there is overlap in more than that with best villain and most desirable with Cruz. So I guess, yeah. But I guess. Mm, I don't want to. I don't want to. Get... also got a nom for the Flintstones, and I think she's the villain in that, if I'm remembering right. I'm sure. I, I yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. I get. I guess like what's what's more villainous, you know, like abuse of power or vampires? Yeah. It's it's a tough question, and hopefully we'll have one ironed out by the end of this podcast. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, and I think that's a good lineup to get into things. So, for best villain, 1995. The nominees were Tom Cruise, Interview with the Vampire, Jeremy Irons, The Lion King, Tommy Lee Jones, Blown Away, Demi Moore, Disclosure, and the winner, Dennis Hopper in Speed. So, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, this is our second time sort of talking about Speed. Oh. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it is. One thing about this movie that, like, I took note of is that, like, it feels like um, every, there is, I, I don't know, I want to put this into words, every sentence, every word spoken is, like, a quip or, like, seconds away from, like, a quip. Um, like, there's very little, like, two characters seriously talking in this movie, um, and I kind of love it for that. Um, it's just such a fun, like, ride. Um, I definitely... Uh, like had like a like a great time like I did the first time like this is this was a wonderful revisit. Um yes, uh, this was actually my first time watching Speed, so this podcast was worthwhile if only for this. Uh, great movie, as you note, extremely quippy in a way that makes sense once you hear that Joss Whedon basically wrote the entire script and was just not credited for it. <laughs> You you can definitely hear it, though it's it's better than I'd say a lot of like sort of Marvel era Whedon gets to be. I think at this point, like he hasn't really gone into self parody, and he's working with a good yeah. working with a good idea for a movie to just like fit quips into, which is I think a good mode for him. Just like you have yeah, the like you the... have the bones of a amazing movie in place, you can just add jokes, and they're good jokes. Yeah, I was saying. Yeah, it is a movie that like it's 
it's quippy and like the yeah the jokes are good it's it's not like the kind of marvel thing where it all kind of kind of, kind of canned like it it's it feels like it is before a time time well even in like 90s action where like kind of 90s action quippiness kind of hits a bit different like it feels like a bit more real like it's yeah. It's when everyone's still kind of trying to figure out the formula for it. Yeah, this is all quips based in character moments of like, and you know, how would a person quip while they're in a state of complete panic? So it's yeah. it's all relatively organic as far as these things go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and like, I feel like, yeah, every quip gets a little chance to like breathe a little bit. I, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just something I kind of picked up on this is that like, even to like the bitter end, like the. I mean. Uh, he lost his head. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, uh, there's also like a good chunk of this movie that I just completely forgot about. Um, like, I, I like purely only remembered the bus. I forgot like the intro elevator and also like the ending, like underground um like subway yeah i was i was very excited by them getting on the train because it's a way to basically keep the premise of the movie alive even as it stops being about that it's just like it's going fast in a different vehicle this time so it's not a total like just like one-on-one showdown it's still kind of it's more or less a continuation of where they were but it's just moved to a different setting yeah, it's interesting that for all like the for all the thing that and of course the legacy of this movie is very much there's a bomb on the bus like the the bus is very much the second act of the movie and the third act is largely just like them like kind of getting off they get off pretty early on and then it's like the the train and then it's them on a runaway train at the end which I mean which I is yeah interesting. I'd, I'd say more than it's about a bus that can't slow down it's just about a bunch of problems that happen to a person it's just like the bus provides most of the problems but before and after that it's just how many things can go wrong in these different settings just thoroughly exploring like what what can happen that can just ruin this person's day and I, I really enjoy it on that level. It's It really works as just a tension exercise because you know there's going to be no downtime. It's going to be some th- when a problem is fixed, another problem is usually going to arise soon after or directly because of the fixed problem. So you, you never you never really get the chance to breathe. Yeah, I was I, that was something I actually was super surprised coming back to like, yeah, like they get to the bus like really quick (laughs) like like it is like it is speedy like pun intended to like they just get right to like the action there's there's no like slow yeah there's no character scenes really other than like maybe between the elevator opening and the bus where like they're getting medals other than that it's just it's just action literally from the credits the camera's just moving down the elevators like super tense it's just it does not stop it <laughs> once it starts yeah like you get the smallest bit of i think development for keanu reeves and jeff Dan- daniels characters like in kind of that beginning and then that's very much su- 
sidelined as like Hyun is only like thrown onto the bus, and then everything else is just set up like Sandra Bullock's character being, oh, can't believe they took my license away, and now I have to like ride the bus. And yeah, it's usually little character stuff that's like addressed maybe once more and then completely forgotten about, which is as it should be because it's not really that important relative to the action. Like the Daniels, the Jeff Daniels stuff in particular, like it's sort of seeming to set up an arc for him and then it just blows him up just way before you expect it to. So it really, it's, it's a pretty ruthless movie in addition to like being a very fun one. Yeah. It's also the re- directorial debut of Jan de Bont. Uh, I believe it's Jan de Bont, but yes. Jan de Bont, yeah, that makes more yeah, sense. Yeah, y- you can tell this is a movie directed by a cinematographer, because <laughs> it's just a way of constant camera motion. It's almost an excuse, just how can I move... What situation would make allow me to move the camera the most? And it's just a runaway bus. Even within the bus, the camera's moving. Even within just this small, cramped confines, he finds a way to move the camera. Yeah. Ben, Yonda Bond had worked as a cinematographer since the 70s, and actu- actually was a cinematographer for a couple of films we've talked about before, Lethal Weapon 3 and Basic Instinct. Yeah. No, 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 I was just going to say, yeah, he's a regular, early Paul Verhoeven collaborator. Basic Instinct looks amazing. That one especially. But I I really love all the early Verhoeven's that he did as well. He did, I think, one of my favorites, which was Turkish Delight, which is nothing like this movie. It's like a really gross, like almost evil romantic comedy, but very sad by the end. And unfortunately, it is basically impossible to watch like every other Dutch Verhoeven. So me describing it will probably be how most people listening to this podcast will see it yeah see it in their imagination yeah it's 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 crazier than you could imagine honestly (laughs) i'll say that that's all i'll say there's there's stuff in it that's all i'll say also now i'm realizing there was a missed opportunity to nominate (laughs) the tornado and twister another film he directed for best villain just (laughs) (laughs) that is that's a good point what was now i gotta look at what was nominated that year yeah, it's, it's not not to so. spoil a future episode, of course, but I'll just. Oh, oh yeah, I, I mean, you talk about it. It's a solid category, but it's like, man, could, we can have a T Rex, but we can't have like tornado. Just, I would say that there is one here that is very easy to cut and put in the tornado. That's all I'll say. But I have, yeah. but I have also not seen a time to kill, <laughs> so I don't know if. Keith or Sufferland is simply undeniable in it, but he seems like an easy one. Just put the tornado in. Have some guts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Um, but, you know, at the very least, Dennis Hopper get, gets in here, and he's great. Oh my god, <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> it is funny, though, like, of the two bomber villains, I think it's, he's definitely one where, like, I mean... He doesn't have an insane accent, but, like, he's still... No, he's just Dennis Hopper, is the thing. That's the extent of his characterization. He's just crazy Dennis Hopper. Yeah, he's Dennis Hopper. He's, like, mad his bombing was foiled, so he's gonna take, like, like another stuff. And and that's all you need. It's... yeah. Yeah, he loves bombing. He loves, I think, college football. 
which is another he loves three million dollars. Yes, he lo- yes, he, he loves specifically three point seven million dollars. And it's just just classic nine nineties. It's like here here's the villain. He's like a big big obvious villain. Like it's it's one of our like finest actors just hamming it up for two hours. It's great. Like, it's, yeah, you you truly don't need any more than Dennis Hopper just going crazy. It's just what else do you want? Yeah, it's it's like he he's fighting on a train. He's what he's watching the he's watching the like bus on cameras. It's yeah, he's killing Jeff Daniels briefly. Like it's, yeah, God. I need to check supporting actor at the Oscars this year to see if I if he should have been nominated because I'm leaning that he might he might need to have been nominated. Yeah, that's feels like something they would have done in uh, still in the nineties, like. Yeah, I mean, they nominated Malkovich the year before, so it's not out of the question. I mean, this is a... Yeah, no, this... I'm about, looking at... about how Dennis Hopper there. should have gotten nominated for Best Villain. No, no, or, best, like, best, best Supporting, supporting Actor. actor. Yes. <laughs> right, the Oscars doesn't do a Best Villain category. <laughs> not yet, anyways. The way things are going, who knows? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the next announcement after they undo the previous announcement. Yeah. Vote Cinderella for best fan vote, by the way, if you're listening to this and can like, vote him for <laughs> Yeah, no, the Dennis Hopper and Speed just is like, like, I, I feel like we're going to probably talk about it a little bit more Blown Away, but like, yeah, him and Tommy Lee Jones are kind of just the same character and just that he's like kooky guy that likes to blow things up. Um, but I feel like I talked about it a, in our during our Kiss episode too, but like, I, I like that he's like, there are rules. You can't break the rules. Okay, you could break this rule a little bit. No, I but like no more rule breaking after this. Yeah, he's he's vaguely reasonable <laughs> on all right. You can get like the bus driver out of there, but I mean, ultimately, all he wants is the money. So if it, you know, I guess there he can leave a little wiggle room if it still means that he gets his money. Yeah, I don't know how he was going to get the money from the... I assume that's what he was doing in the elevator, too, but I'm not sure what Yeah, I don't know how he was going to get out and collect the money, but... <laughs> yeah, he's just sort of like a... Just like a really... Not on screen a lot, but just kind of like fun. And also like like a... Not uh, not like a constant presence in like the same way that like um, Robert De Niro and Cape Fear was, but like he is like the single and sole driving force of like all of the action of the movie oh yeah like yeah that's the that's the thing like some of these special nominations you know the villains are just kind of there like t-rex in jurassic park it's you don't need t-rex but i mean it's definitely one where like there's a villain and he's the point of all this forgive me forgive me for asking is the t-rex not the hero at the end of jurassic park or am i getting the dinosaurs this was my argument and like not rating it that high i'm like he saves the day or she saves the day yeah it it should have gone to like the raptors easily um like yeah 100 percent. and like like not only is that true in the movie jurassic park but it's also you know vindicated later jurassic world i mean i say just give it to wayne knight that seems like the obvious one there like more than not 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 uh uh yeah yeah I don't have a super lot to say about speed because like we already talked about it before and like yeah the villain is like super uh like just super 
fun, but like it doesn't really get. He doesn't have like a super like he's not there all the time though. That's the only kind of downside to him is that he shows up like like a little at the beginning and then sort of sprinkled in and then he has yeah. But I would say he is so good on the train at the end that I think that gets him points. He is so funny that oh yeah oh yeah he he is a whenever he's on he's on yeah I. Yeah, I'd agree. Like he, he, he definitely helps make make the film. Like it, it speed speed's definitely bolstered. I think. Yeah, it's like you have you have Dennis Hopper doing this. Yeah, you have like Sandra Bullock, and then he, Keanu's also solid solid in this. But really, it's like you got Bullock, you got Hopper. Like you got a great movie already. Like it's and then you got Daniels on the side. You got Joe Morton. Yeah, you got Patrick Fischler for a scene, which really shocked me. Do you, do either of you know who Patrick Fischler is by name at least? Um, he is. He's on Lost, no. isn't he? That's... Well, he is best known. He is the guy in the diner scene in Mulholland Drive, the one speaking of connecting Dennis Hopper and Blue Velvet to him in Mulholland Drive. A lot of Lynch alum in Speed. I wonder if wonder if Lynch likes Speed. Uh. Yeah, hang on. Let me. I'll post a picture of him. He is the guy. Patrick Fischler is the guy. One of the guys. The guy who presses the button in the elevator, which I think leads to one of the first quips in the movie. Just like, what button did you press? Oh, okay. Yeah. I. I mean, it's been a while since I've seen a hole in drive. Yeah, I definitely remember him from. He was. He was on Lost as like a Dharma Initiative worker, and then he also. He has like a. Yeah, he's on Mad Men as, like, this stand-up comedian guy who's there for a season. Yeah, he also has a scene in Under the Silver Lake, if you've seen that. But, yeah, definitely one of those classic, like, faces. Yes, he had... Alan Ruck is oh. there being insufferable, just... <laughs> I mean, he, he... Yeah, he is the, the yuppie tourist. He's the guy who you sent me a picture, you're like, this should have been the best villain. <laughs> like, the... <laughs> I was like the real villain of Speed. <laughs> he's got some of the best quips in the movie, I'd say. Yeah, he's just from his very first scene. He's just yeah. I was really expecting like there to be like little arcs for the characters on the bus, but there aren't. They they're just they're scared. Sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes they're annoying, and then they get off and they're never seen again. Yeah, except for the one who also dies, just trying to get off. Yeah. Yeah, they don't even do much with the guy who literally shoots the bus driver and causes, like, the problem. He's like, oh, he's on here for me! It's, it's like, oh, was there more to that? Just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, no, this movie, it's just... I don't know if it deserves best villain um, out of all of these, but, like, just a solid movie and, like, a really fun rewatch. Um, I'm not sure, like, I haven't been counting... Um, like how many movies have gone in the circle twice? Now? Yeah, this I is the, it's, it's been three. like one a year so far. Um, well, except for last year was like all yeah. ori- all like first times on the yeah all original yeah and like I think yeah Speed is like just a just a fun movie to throw on again. Like I, I yeah our brilliant podcast like structure where we're just gonna inevitably keep talking about the same movies every thirty episodes or so. It's... <laughs> exactly but yeah. through a different lens uh watching this watching this through the villain lens is also like much more interesting because the kiss happens like right at the end so like 
there's like not much analysis there but like this one he's like yeah, yeah, i mean and, and, well, the whole movie. and as a kiss watch it's um, also it's like wait it's like people like this kiss where everyone's cheering as they're making out like it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it would um it would go on to i can't verify this but probably inspire the uh he fault oh, in our the stars Anna frank house but, yes um no no verification <laughs> yeah. for that no verification absolutely at all but it's a it's a kiss for everyone. Clap. I'm I'm, lo- yeah. I'm looking at the overlap between my the last episode I did and the villain lineup, and it is fully three out of five repeating. So oh yeah 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 it's those three, and then like gold member and the ring, the the ring yes yeah. You could fit yeah. Oh, yeah. You yeah, can, oh yeah, we have a, I yeah. think they should have they should have put Philip Seymour Hoffman and Punch Drunk Love there. I'm sorry, they should have get get I don't know get Myers out of there. <laughs> Just get get the mattress man. You got to put the you got to represent the mattress man there. Yeah, did did we need a third Doctor Evil nomination? That'll be the over. I mean, I mean, I guess the question is: Is it Doctor? E- is it for Doctor <laughs> Evil or is it for Gold Member? It's. It's for both it's showing, which is so weird. Um, it's for Dr. Evil slash Goldmember, um, which is like, that's not how that works. Because like above it has Norman Osborn slash Green Goblin. That makes sense. Those are the same person. What? Um, but like, yeah, yeah, under it says Dr. Evil slash Goldmember. Um, I might, if if there is footage available, I might try to see if that's true. If, like, they actually did show, like, footage of both characters, and he's nominated for both. Cause that might just be a a Wikipedia trying to fill in the blanks for unverifiable information. Because um, I don't know why that doesn't seem right to me. Yeah, it's hard to say. Um, But, yeah, if we said all we can about speed, then I think we can move on to Interview with the Vampire. Yes. Let's start. Uh, I... S- I guess I'll begin. I think this is probably my villain winner. I think Cruz is astounding in this movie. And I think he is he and Kirsten Dunst are basically what's holding it up. But it's good otherwise, but I think without them I think it is just not nearly what it is. Cruz is Cruz especially is just like so just so sexual and malevolent at the same time it's really it's not a mode he really goes to ever again even in like villain roles i guess maybe magnolia but even then i think this is even more sexual than frank tj mackie yeah this definitely is a mode you're not used to seeing Cruz in which i think is partly why he's so compelling yeah, he's definitely not like the the sort of sarcastic, slick talking uh, lawyer from from a few good men. Uh, like definitely like a much like a like a one eighty. Um, yeah, something I really like about this movie, and I'm not sure if it's intentional or it's like because it's adapted from like a book that it has this vibe. But like it, like it's super aimless and not in like a bad way. But like it's just sort of events happening, which I think is like perfect for like a vampire story where they live hundreds of years and just sort of do things there's not like a goal there's not they're just sort of existing and like just meeting different people and going on these mini adventures and like 
Like, yeah, there's not like a, there's not a bomb to defuse. There's not a, there's not like a pride land to save. Um, there's not a 3D virtual reality to save files from. Um, <laughs> um, like, yeah, and I think that like, that is like the perfect sort of vibe for like a vampire movie. These like eternal beings. Yeah, it really gets to like sort of the aimless malaise of being a vampire, which I suppose is the point with like, you know, sort of Pitt like trying to tell Slater, you know, just how awful his existence is. But it's also, I think, very fun within that framework. It's not just moping about it, even though I think Pitt is awful in it. I don't know if you agree, but I think he is, this is like maybe the worst I've ever seen him. Though I have, yeah, mm, yeah, he's not hmm. super, he's not really like doing much, I guess is the best way to describe it. Especially in contrast to like, yeah, like, um, like, uh, Kirsten and Tom, like doing a lot. Um, yes. Yeah. And also like everybody else too, um, like, uh, Guillermo. And then I trying to remember who is the other sort of vampire leader for like the, the play section. I'm trying to remember his name. Is it Stephen Ray? I think so. Just the, the other one with really long hair. Um, yes, that, that he is, he is Neil Jordan's like go-to actor. He's like in not, if not every Neil Jordan movie close to it. Like he, they go back way so this like so this is sort of neil jordan throwing his his friend a bone and a really fun part for him too does he speak i forget if he speaks or if he's just mute i don't i don't remember he def i'm trying to remember because like yeah because there's a whole section of the movie where like a lot happens over like pretty much the last like third and a bit before like what i would consider to be more of like the epilogue um yeah, I don't remember if he speaks at all. Yeah, I just remember he's just like a theater kid, basically. He's just like clowning around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm trying to remember because I'm like, he has to speak, right? I'm like, oh, maybe he doesn't. Like, I know he reads his mind at some point, but I'm like, I guess you don't need to talk for that. Like, it's. But yeah, I'll agree that Pitt. I don't know. Like, I, I don't think he's he's like terrible in this or anything, but he definitely is not as interesting as like anyone. else else in this which is yeah which is why i mean the the paris section is essentially like it's held held up by like kirsten dunce and ray and like antonio banderas and stuff stuff and and that's kind of how it keeps going even after like tom cruise is sort of out of the picture for a while but once it's like pit on his own for a bit you're like oh okay can we get back to like the more interesting people or are they all dead like it's yeah. I mean, they are all... Even the interesting people yeah. are dead. It's just, you know... Well, Cruz, there's the question. <laughs> yes, yeah. Cruz seems yeah. to die. Yeah. Well, no... Well, yeah, he, he's presumed dead for most of the movie. And then I think this is... Um, oh, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is the... F spoilers, by the way, for Interview with a Vampire. Um, this is, like, the first one where I think, like, the bad guy gets, like, a quote-unquote happy ending. Um... Where like he just gets away, and like gets to be like a vampire with with uh with Slater. Yeah, this yeah this is kind of the like, for first one where, I mean, again not to keep bringing up T Rex, but like T Rex kind of 
Tira, oh, the first yeah. sort of villain that can reason more beyond on what I'm alive now on this island and can, I'm chasing after these people and now I'm gonna like fight raptors. But yeah, it is kind of the first one where like yeah, Tom Cruise isn't really like defeated. He he has his falling out with Pitt, but then you know he's back in the end to like ju- jump Slater in the car and. Also, that last, that last scene where yeah. it comes back to the oh choice he never had as he's, oh yeah, as he's already like drinking his blood and like taking it, just driving the car like a ma- maniac. There, that's it, really good. Like, yeah, it's a, a strong, yeah. strong finish. And then it closes with sympathy <laughs> yeah. for the devil. The Guns and Roses sympathy for the devil specifically, which is fun. Don't get too much of that relative to the Stones version yeah. anymore. Yeah, the Stones version kind of became like the overarching one. That one's funny because initially when it came out, I'm like, uh, and then I'm like, wait, maybe in the 90s, like, this wasn't the go to, here's the evil villain needle drop. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm like, hmm, does Sympathy for the Devil appear in any other films we cover for Best Villain? And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, yeah, Suicide Squad. It's. <laughs> oh boy you got that to look forward to oh, I, yeah i was I, every once in a while i'll take a peep down the list and like i was like oh sweet but then i realized wait it's the other suicide yeah. squad <laughs> i was like damn it oh yeah <laughs> uh, i might end up for that episode just re-watching the suicide squad just for fun did you I watch really peacemaker ben i think we're all not not yet yeah not yet because like yeah because as as our dedicated fans know i am now watching all television um starting with all the ones that will appear on this list like from season one to where the villain shows up and is uh, assuming concluded yeah he's watching eight seasons um, of the walking yeah, dead <laughs> it's yeah and then like also yeah the handsmaid's tale you um, which my friend Ian said, I was like, oh, I'm watching you. And he's like, oh, that show sucks. <laughs> so I'm excited to continue watching that one. Um, I just, I, 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 I hate to interrupt. I just, I looked it up on IMDb and I, I learned of another movie you're going to cover that does use Sympathy for the Devil, which I do remember, which is, of course, oh, Tony right. Scott's yeah. The Fan. Like... Oh. Yeah, that's like De Niro's introduction <laughs> yes, uh-huh. music. <laughs> Just really setting it the tone immediately. We're not gonna play subtle here. You know who, who he is as soon right. as that starts. Surprised I forgot that, considering I love the fan and have, but I also I had just rewatched it a couple months ago, so I like did not include that on my like thing because I'm like I can evaluate evaluate De Niro's performance. Though, though I might do Last Boy Scout as like a primer for that one um it's kind of thematically similar a bit but yeah sympathy for the devil classic yeah. villain theme <laughs> just i'm looking at you know I, honestly in interview with the vampire seems to be relatively early on the sympathy for the devil train like there are some but like not a ton so this yeah. it, this probably was a little fresher at the time than it is now so that this cannot be held against it, I suppose. Yeah. Also, yeah, another, like, interesting thing about this movie is that, like, I'm, like, wondering. Because, like, as taken whole, like, um, as, like, 
in totality. I think uh, Tom Cruise's uh, uh, how do you pronounce Lestat? I think it's Lest yeah Lestat Lestat. Or Lestat. Lestat yeah Lestat. Like he does like really villainous stuff. Like he kills people, but like but then I'm like, okay, is he really villainous on like the vampire bell curve? Because <laughs> um, like I don't think he does anything like. I like all that messed up honestly um like he just kind of is a vampire and just sort of does all the things vampires do um I guess the fact that like he seems to really enjoy yeah, he the revels in messed it. up vampires yeah he's like a he's a vampire hedonist which I guess <laughs> would make him more of a villain than like a reluctant vampire yeah. like Dunst yeah exactly and like I'm also like, yeah, I'm glad. To, I'm glad that this podcast is back to talking about vampires too. Um, I think it's been a long time um, <laughs> since the the Twilight era. Um, but yeah, like, so yeah, it's kind of like weird because I'm like, I'm wondering, like, how, like, how different would his actions be if he was like really noble about everything? Because he would, he would still like need to eat, and like, I assume he doesn't want to eat a bunch of rats. Um, so yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like if, like, if any other character from any of these other movies, like, killed the amount he killed, they would easily be, like, the most cruel and, like, done the most damage. Um, but the fact if, that... If, yeah. But, yeah, but the if fact Dennis that he's, like, Hopper a vampire, was drinking... Yeah, if Dennis Hopper was drinking people's blood, <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, for literally that, hundreds probably... of years. <laughs> yeah. That's that's interesting. Yeah, to, to what extent can we hold a vampire accountable for just doing vampire stuff? Um, but though I guess that's the counterpoint because Brad Pitt yeah. is trying very hard not to do that stuff. But again, his character also isn't that interesting. You're like, oh, come on, rats again? Just yeah. I mean, yeah, you, you begin to, th- yeah, it's like well, you, he's kind of a whiner. Like maybe don't do the Lestat thing of just like being like so happy to murder but like Pitt like oh, I'm so sad I don't want I'm a vampire is that gets old for me very fast and thank god that I think the rest of the movie is so good that it can overcome him yeah. just just like being a wet blanket in at the center it's weird yeah cuz like if you needed a straight man for the story you could have also used like Slater and like and like have it like cut to him when you needed like if if like if his if him being the way he is was like really intentional cuz it cuz now it just feels like you have like a really like kind of flat character telling a story to the the other flat character from this movie yeah which is like yeah. there's like no good like i think i can say with confidence there's like very little good back and forth between them and like what little scenes they have like interjecting into the story i will say i really like the first shot of like modern day san francisco which i think sort of sets up like a a good idea for like a vampire movie set in modern day but the the rest of the movie doesn't really use that but it's like a very yeah it's very atmospheric at first but once it's just in slater's apartment it's just kind of not that yeah. interesting. Have him go to like a coffee shop or something, like and make it yeah. do it over like the span of a couple days. Um, yeah, and then I also wish, yeah, I wish that like I don't know, maybe this is just me being like um, 
historically illiterate but like all the all the areas they went to like looked very samey to me um like it was just like it was yeah they, nothing like nothing like super stood out i guess i guess because they spent very little time like in what i think is would have been like the 16th or 17th century and then like yeah because lo- it yeah it's it's not contemporary obviously but it's within like the two last 200 years where there's not as much I guess progress being made technologically yeah. relative to much further back. Top hats. So you're not going to get the yeah, became yeah. a thing somewhere in that time. But yeah, and uh, I'll say this: like Lasat, interesting, but like it is, I think, a thing too where you never really quite see what he sees in Brad Pitt. Like you know, when you kind of go at like the sort of romantic, sort of under overtones between those characters, where you're like. Come on, Lestat, you can do better than this guy. Like, it's... It's, it's like... Yeah. You're, you're turning a child for him? Really? Just... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Dun- Dunst is so good. Yeah. In this. It, it's incredible. It is impressive, like... And, obviously, in years, a lot of people have done done the one where it's like, oh, she... Yeah. She... she She's like an she's an old mature woman woman, but she looks like a little girl. Uh, most recently, Marvel's I- Eternals, but Dunce really just sells it. Where you like you get her anger and frustration at this whole thing, and yeah, she's not playing like maturity so much. She's still kind of playing like childish. I fucking hate you. Why did you do this? She's just she still has that level of maturity to her, even as she's technically like much older which is i think a really fun choice especially sort of since she has to sort of continue these sort of complaints about vampire that pit is sort of sleeping through she does it in a much more interesting sort of alive no yeah pun and it way. is interesting like like she she's a there's a point where she's effectively demanding that like pit pit turns like a mother for her basically and then and then I had forgot like how just horrifying their death scene is. Like, yeah, I really when I watched it, I really thought like she was gonna be in more of the movie and they were gonna get out of it somehow. But nope, yeah. they just get they get nice and crispy. Oh, uh, uh, the one scene where um where Tom Cruise scythes the one guy. Oh, that was that was that was the most like amped up hyper gore this movie caught oh yeah yeah like yeah this movie's like yeah it's definitely like not not for the squeamish especially like the one scene where like uh tom cruise gets like his throat slit like like i'm not there's a lot of blood in this vampire movie i mean i should read this from the wikipedia this quote Oprah Winfrey walked out of an advanced screening of the movie only 10 minutes in because of the (laughs) gore and dark themes. She considered canceling an interview with Tom Cruise promoting the film, stating, quote, I believe there are forces of light and darkness in the world, and I don't want to be a contributor to the force of darkness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Could you imagine Tom Cruise going on Oprah's show? What? <laughs> Imagine if she had just banned him for his show forever. How different would his career have been? <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, he'd still be 
He'd be huge he now. Had, still, like, that period where everyone went, uh, "Wait, is Tom Cruise bad?" Just yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That, that's, that is a really compelling alternate universe, actually. I'm going to be thinking about yeah. that after <laughs> this recording. Uh. Also, just a funny sense for Oprah, oh, of all people to just take. Like it's... <laughs> I mean, she then made Beloved, which is a completely fucked up movie, equally to yeah, Interview with a Vampire, so, you so... know... Maybe I, I, I don't want to say practice what you preach because both Beloved and Interview are good movies, but you know, have a little self awareness. Maybe she rewatched it one day. Um, yeah. Anyways, Lestat will return a few years from now in Queen of the Damned, played by Stuart Townsend. So you got that to look forward to. Oh. Is that. Is that, uh, was uh, that also nominated uh, for a villain? Yeah. Aaliyah was no. nominated for that. It was? Yeah, so. Oh, Aaliyah, okay. Yeah, I was unaware it was like an interview with the vampire sequel or follow-up at first, and then her friend Shane's like, did you know that this is like, this is like interview with a vampire, but someone else is Lestat? I'm like, no, no, I did not. I'm just... Yeah, it would be interesting to see a, an interpretation. I wonder. I don't know if that. I'm trying to think if that ever happens with any of the other movies that we get the the same villain, different actor. Um, I mean, is is the new Lion King nominated? I don't know. Yeah, that would that would same. Yeah, that would be that would no. Yeah, because that's the year that gets kind of lost because of the pandemic. So I don't know if they had any intentions yeah, wonder, to nominate wonder. it for, but. Yeah, I wonder if maybe I'm trying to. I can't. I can't search it at the moment. Uh, just I wonder if maybe with all the Batman's we get, I wonder if we get. We Joker get Joker. Twice. Maybe that yeah, would be we get Joker hour. twice. Dark Knight and then Leto. Yeah, that. <laughs> Wait, do we not also get? Um, he's also in our episode of Tommy Lee Jones. Oh no, he's Two Face. Oh, who am I thinking of the 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 um the uh Tim Burton Batman's. I'm trying to remember who was the it's Jack Nicholson. That's who it was. That was the Joker. Yes. With the with yeah, his Nicholson, gi- giant yeah. revolver. Yeah. Nicholson is before the MTV movie awards start, so he's not Yeah, counted, we did return. Yes. Um yeah. <laughs> depending on how the Batman is received, it's very possible that we'll be seeing a Riddler nom this year. Ooh, that yeah, that would be a yeah, uh, or a yeah, or Riddler. or maybe a penguin nom. Everyone likes Colin Farrell going. Hey. I got you! I got you! Just <laughs> take it easy, sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no, um, yeah, I think that's. Is there any final thoughts on interview with the vampire? Uh, maybe not a thought, just an anecdote. Uh, I believe. Yeah, this is on the Wikipedia, and that Christian Slater was the second choice for that part. It was going to be River Phoenix, and he... Okay, so he died before shooting. So he died a few weeks before shooting, and Slater took the part with no pay, or... No, he he took a salary, but he donated it to Phoenix's charities, so... So I suppose we can forgive him sort of kind of a bland character for some real world 
yeah. charitability. I think this mo- I think this movie would be better with River Phoenix in this part, if only because River Phoenix is a significantly better actor than Christian Slater. No offense, but I think kind of undeniable. But even I even then, I'm not sure how much he could really do with it, unless they like gave him more scenes or more interesting scenes. Yeah, I I mean I think you get more of the thing of the idea that this is a normal person who kind of gets interested into that world where Christian Slater is just a weirdo in everything. So it's there's no suspense in what he wants and you're just, and you're just kind of confused you're like wait, why isn't he just a vampire running around or whatever? It's I mean, yeah, th- this movie would be approved if the reveal was that he was a secret vampire the whole time. I think that oh, would be yeah. that would be a He's very vengeance for Paris. That, that, yeah, there, that's your fix for the film. <laughs> Gonna write to Anne Rice. For that oh. one, just... But yeah, <laughs> listen, fix your fix your three decade old. He passed away two months ago, right? Oh, no. Yeah, Neil Jordan. Oh, no. Neil Jordan, get like thirty-year-old, thirty years older Christian Slater <laughs> and edit him. Edit him into this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this, this is the episode, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if Neil Neil Jordan, if you are listening to this, you know I will give you my number. <laughs> we can work this out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why um, yeah, um yeah, Lion King is not really a good segue there. I yeah, I have not watched The Lion King in probably sixteen years. If I'm doing the math right, like I have not watched this since I was a very little kid. Um, and what a fun, fun movie! Like, I I love I love animated movies. I think they're like really timeless. And I think this one shows that like everything else I was watching was good, but like I knew this came out in like the '90s. Whereas The Lion King, like, it's just such a a timeless, wonderful, cheery time, and like all the voice performances are astounding. Um, I think there's a there's like there's like somebody um, I watch on YouTube who's a who's preparing to do a very big review of both the Lion King and the reboot one, and I've just been watching sort of his Twitch streams where he's editing it, and just like the contrast is just insane. Um, but even, even without like that comparison, the voice performances in this movie are astounding and the animation is beautiful. Yeah, no, this is a, yeah, this is a classic. It's definitely, I think one of my favorite kind of Disney films from this period. Um, I'll say as a kid, I was a bit more familiar with Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. Yeah. And I, I was way more familiar with Lion King one and a half. Um, I probably watched that one like tenfold. I've watched this yeah. one, and I was familiar with the song "I Just Can't Wait to Be King" because we learned how to play it on the recorder when I was in elementary school. Um, oh, I bet that was <laughs> lovely to hear. Yeah, it was, I mean, eventually it was pretty good, but definitely at the beginning it was like a bunch of. Like, <laughs> I'm just imagining a room full of people doing that song. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about Lion King, William? Um... I mean, I don't really. I honestly, as far as the Disney Renaissance movies go, I think mostly I gravitated towards Beauty and the Beast over this, 
and over Aladdin. I think that was the one I really glommed onto, and the others were there, and, like, you know, I liked the songs, but otherwise I wasn't really, like, that into them. So this one, you know, I'm not really, I can't, I suppose I can't really share your guys' enthusiasm for it, especially at this point when it's been so much part of the public consciousness that I I can't really take anything new from it. It's all been pre-digested. Um, but... You say that, but do you know how uh, Scar got his scar? Yeah. So, this so was a couple years ago when I was doing this, like, upper podcast, I think part of how I got into the Lion King 2 episode is... Uh, so, D- Disney... The, the Lion King franchise, which, up until the live-action film, they been pretty prote- protective of for, like, what they make. Well, they had their show The Lion Guard, which aired on Disney Junior and followed Simba's second child, Kion, who gets the power of a magic roar from the ancestors and kind of teams up with people and fights for the first two seasons of the show and then, I think, the a two-part premiere in the third season... He fights the ghost of Scar, who is inhabiting a volcano. And oh, so this is a Scientology yeah, show, is what you're saying. So Scar, Scar is Zenu. The Zenu <laughs> ultimately like get defeated because Kion finds the strength to forgive him, and then the ancestors do a rain that puts out a volcano. Like it's. <laughs> I mean. You know, if you want to read Dianetics and find out, you know, be my yeah, guest. But, but their kind of backstory for it is, in in this mythology, the second child essentially leads a royal guard and has these powers, so that used to be Scar, and then Scar decided to use his roar for evil and got it t- taken for him, but they eventually give him, they give the character of Scar, who, oh, I'm gonna look up who, like, vo- voice them now. It, it, By this point, it's the one where they're like, oh, maybe we should have black actors playing, like, this... Yeah, playing this part. Oh my god. Holy shit, I just found yeah. out who's playing him. That's... <laughs> yeah, what the insane. hell? <laughs> yeah, D- David Oyeloyo. Just... Yeah, David Oyeloyo, I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, I, wow. did, I don't know. They got they got Andy Dick back. What the fuck? Yeah, this, Andy this Dick cast is crazy. Episodes like it's... these people. <laughs> Andy Dick, James. Is this the same James? No, this is not. This is the voice actor James Morrison. Yeah. I always get them confused. Rob so Lowe is Simba. Just... yes, that was the big one. And then Gabrielle Union. I guess it's when the Rob Lowe is still voicing like Simba's thing and. Yeah, and then Ernie Sabella's still doing Pumbaa, but I mean, but Nathan Lane is not doing Timon. That's yeah, that's that's he's probably up. busy doing Modern Family, but they uh, but they eventually give Scar this entire song where he explains his backstory, which has the idea that he's like a young lion, and then one one day like he encounters actually kind of similarish to Interview with a Vampire. He encounters just this like older lion who has like a scar and his thing and takes him and speaks sweet nothings about how he could use his roar to take power and how the strongest should rule 
but then he like attacks Scar with a snake that like bites him and leaves like a toxic <laughs> toxic thing and then he's like hey it's like do what I say and I can get that scar taken away and instead Scar just roars them into a volcano and goes to like take power for himself and then kind of gets that taken from yeah taken from him and it's just this insane backstory that he had to like give to a character that doesn't really need it because the Lion King like set, sets him up so well. But it's like, hey, if you want, if you want to get more from the Lion King, I, just I, imagine I, when you're watching this that Scar used to have like superpowers. Like it's. <laughs> I, I I want is the snake that bites them the snake that is voiced by Christian Slater, who I've just discovered is in this as well. This cast is... Um, I, I could keep no, reading names. That's Common? a different sn- snake that hell? actually voices the... bites the main character, I believe, in the climax. The, the, sna- the one... the other snake doesn't talk, because it's just like in a song. Well, that, well that's... Yeah. Why does Somehow one snake I can talk and one Blue Diamond Phillips? Blue like, Diamond Phillips... Uh, who else did I see? Uh, Blair Anna Underwood. Yeah, Anna Gasteyer. Uh, God. And this, I, I want to be clear for anybody like me who does not did not know before this that this show existed, that this show aired in 2016, which is like fully 16 years later than I would have guessed it would. Like, talk about <laughs> not striking why the iron yeah. is hot. It was very much trying to get on the trend of, like, the Avengers and superheroes, and they're like, well, what can we do? It's like, well, we haven't done a Lion King thing in a while. It's also very, like, beholden to Lion King canon, where, like, the first two seasons take place essentially between, like, the first, the first, the kid half of the Lion King 2 and the adult half of Lion King 2, and then the third season is... After he gets this Scar, uh, Simba's son, Kyan, is concerned he'll become evil like Scar. So all the characters set off to find this, this like, tree that's gonna cu- cure that. And then, I think ultimately he comes to the piece of, oh, just because I have a Scar doesn't mean I'm gonna be evil? And then they, like, but then, then in the <laughs> last episodes, they go, they return to the Pride Lands because they hear there's trouble and an uprising, and they get there, and the Lion King 2 is, like, over, basically. And so it's, they show up after the action because they were off doing this side thing, but it's wild how much the, the Lion Guard writers are like, okay, we have to make sure this fits into the canon. Like, it's. We need to we need to get Andy Dick back. We need to get him out of jail, and we need to get him back in the voice booth. We cannot have this without him. Yeah, it's yeah. You gotta get him for this. <laughs> to be fair, it's it's only like a couple ep- episodes. I remember watching those ones, but yeah, the, there is one. There is an episode where he encounters like Andy Dick and the other like people, and they have a scheme. But he sends them away. But Kovu, who is um, Scar, not even Scar's son, he's, like, just Scar's heir, and he's, oh, and he, but, like, he makes a reference, he's like, oh, man, I sure hope we get to see Kiera, who's, like, Simba's daughter, and his love interest in The Lion King, too, so they're, they're really just, like, seeding that in, like, it's, um, but Jeremy Irons, like, pretty great in this, the, sec- the second time we're covering him for this podcast after Lolita? 
Um, oh wow wow <laughs> definitely definitely a much more much more uh favorable um spot despite this being the villain i was category. certainly less angry at him in this movie um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, like he's he's putting up like a really like a really good performance. I th- he's probably going to be one of the few um, villains that gets like a villain song. Um, I only say that because I think uh, Ewan McGregor might have one in Birds of Prey, or at least like some I think, sort of I sequence. Think there's I the think. musical sequence with Harley where she. Like, does the diamonds are a girl's best friend? I don't think yeah. he has a. Yeah, I think that might be what you're would. thinking of. I would. I think I would remember if he broke out in yeah. the song because I already love that performance so much. <laughs> yeah, and like, oh, he totally could too. Like, I, we've all yeah. seen Moulin Rouge. Like, uh. <laughs> does Jim yeah, Carrey like, sing in Grinch? Uh, oh, that's another good one. He eats glass. Um, but I don't know if he's... <laughs> I mean, you know, to some people, singing is like eating glass. You know, don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think... I, I Again, unless I'm crazy, I think this might be one of our only animated ones as well. Uh, Toy Story 3. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ned, Ned Beatty, MTV Movie Award nominee. I bet that was really special for him. <laughs> Yeah, he lost to Tom Felton for Deathly Hollows Part 1. <laughs> oh yeah, Jack is coming back for that episode. This is I a very he's... this is a very funny All list right. of actors. <laughs> you got Ned Beatty, <laughs> and then you got Leighton Meester. You yeah. know, two screen giants finally united oh. by the MTV Movie Awards. Mickey Rourke? <laughs> yes. Everybody's Val favorite. Kill. <laughs> Val Kilgore. Yeah, everyone's favorite, Mickey Rourke. Nothing wrong with him at all. Like, <laughs> Subject of one of the better 30 Rock running jokes in which every time Jess like, Mickey Rourke's gonna kill me! He just... <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, I, was, I was just taking down the list because like, I feel like there are some that would probably like technically... like. Is Ultron like an animated villain? Like, is is that say. Spader doing mocap um, or no? I think it is. Um, I feel like I've I feel like I distinctly remember seeing like a thousand Instagram pictures of like him with like the two balls like way above his head where his Ultron eyes would be. Um, I'm not sure if it's mocap, but he's definitely like there doing stuff. Um. Yeah, and then also like the demi gorgon, like I'm not sure what. I mean, yeah. Then it didn't. Do you count the T Rex? Um, Though the T Rex yeah, is count Pennywise. Yeah. Oh yeah, the... yeah, Thanos. Yeah, no. I feel like this is um yeah one of one of two at least like from an animated movie animated villains and like like a classic. Did, one did, too. Does Woods get nominated for Hercules? Is my question. No, that's fucked up. No. That's cr- yeah. The MTVs have had anime. I mean, they also didn't nominate Jafar for like Aladdin, which is like. Yeah. yeah I Jack so went on a rant on that one. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to be the person saying that you need to give James Woods awards, but you really do need to give. If you have a best villain category at the time when James Woods is in Hercules, you give it to him. It's that simple. 
gives James Woods an award. Like yes. I told you this was going to be us getting canceled, and this is going to be what does it. This is... I mean, I believe... There's the episode title. Give James Woods an award with, like, William Taylor. I mean, I said that I, I might put Hopper in supporting actor. I would 100% put Woods in supporting actor for for Hercules. No questions. Yeah, it's insane that you can't get one for, like, Hercules, but... I guess, would that have been the 1998 year? Oh, but that one's... Yeah, that's... I'll give it that that is a packed category, but I I would probably get rid of Gary Oldman. Swap out one problematic person for another. Oh, sure. Yeah, I guess you don't really need Air Force One and Face Off in the same year, as much as I'm going to enjoy talking about that. (laughs) But... (laughs) Yeah, but the the Lion King song... So, because "Be Prepared" is a song where, um, because I have seen The Lion King two more, the I am, I have, I'm kind of more fond of The Lion King 2's villain song, which is a song called kind of "My Lullaby," which is sort of, because uh, Ben, you've never seen Lion King two, right? Like it's, so Lion I King two it. Where this film is kind of like Hamlet with lions, Lion King 2 is Romeo and Juliet with lions, and no one dies at the end, sort of. And so, it's, so you find out that <laughs> there's a bunch of lions who are loyal to Scar, and who live now in, like, kind of the outlands, and, and one of them, they have to be very careful with, careful with this, but basically, uh, I'm forgetting her name, but she lo- she loves Scar, and she has this son, Kovu, who looks like Scar, but is very clearly not Scar's kid, because he ultimately falls in love with Simba's daughter. Um, so they have to be very specific to avoid... <laughs> uh, like, I feel that was an animation note where they watched this, and you're like, no, you can't make him Scar's son, and then that's like makes the whole thing like in- incestuous. So it's... So it's like Zira and kind of the the mother of these kids, and she's Scar's most loyal, loyal follower. And but she essentially is singing her son Kovu, who is kind of the heir apparent. Yeah, this yeah yeah this song about how he's gonna rise up and kill Simba and take revenge. Which uh, which I was like though in this watch, I thought be prepared was. It is a really good song. I have to give it that. Like, it's fun. The hyenas marching around. Um, yeah, it's always a, it is weirdly enough. It's always a song that I forget exists. Um, like I, I was I was honestly surprised by it uh, when it came in this movie because like I, I always confuse it. I always think it's one of those songs that was like not in the movie but like added in later, like um, oh, the morning report. Yeah uh the one there's like a song yeah like i always forget because like all the other ones are like i think it is weirdly enough it is probably one of the i want to say it's definitely one of the less less least iconic songs I, from this movie but that's because no people love be prepared like, everyone was so upset when it was like a shorter version in 2019 yeah uh I guess I'm just being that like like a Hakuna Matata like love tonight. I guess I guess it might be a li- it might be under um I want to be king possibly despite despite yeah, the just recorders. just going by like iconic status. I would say it is like pretty firmly like below 
like the top three, which is Circle of Life, Okuna Makata, and Can't Wait to Be King. It's maybe above. Can you feel the love? Yeah, I mean well. that. I mean, I guess that's the Oscar winner, so I guess you have to put that above. It's but. definitely <laughs> above the song Timon sings when he's like getting the hyenas to go after him and Pumbaa. Just. Which I also forgot was in the movie. Like, I know in 2019, in one of the only good bits in 2019, it's Billy Eichner doing Be Our Guest. And then they chase after him, and it's just inexplicably Be Our Guest. And. Yeah. And then this one, like, I remembered the hula skirt. I forgot there was, like, a song that went with it. Like, just. Oh, I, I remembered the song. It was probably, as a kid, that slate. I, I think I rewinded the VHS and, like, just watched that scene, like, several times. Um, I thought it was so funny. Also, as far as villain deaths go, I always forget how gruesome Scars is. Because, like, him falling off the cliff into fire, I think that was why I'm there. But I often forget that that's then followed by he's attacked and killed by the hyenas. And presumably eaten by them yeah like yeah to go on to become a volcano spirit as clearly implied by the end of the movie yeah um yes of and course by, and <laughs> by dianetics of course dianetics has a whole scar section you know so i've heard <laughs> if any if any of our, any listeners uh, have read yeah. dianetics please uh, correct me on any misconceptions i have about it i'm willing to learn <laughs> i will convert you know if need be <laughs> yeah. at the risk of going on another yeah. tangent in our lion king section what's dianetics oh <laughs> dianetics <laughs> is the basically scientology bible that's that's all i basically that's all i know about it it is the book that like, oh, scientology okay. comes from i didn't yeah. i did not know they had a book it, it's <laughs> yeah it's Tom Cruise's yeah. Koran, really. If, you, if you've seen um, The Master, it's like, it's the split saber. But if you haven't seen The Master, then that's just nonsense. But you should see The Master. <laughs> oh, no, I no, I love The Master. Oh. Okay, there you go, there you go. Master's like my favorite yeah. PTA. Yeah. Good choice, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, for our listeners, yeah, I know there's a lot of tangents going on in The Lion King, but like, to, to be fair, like, Lion King is... I think falls into that category of like it's like great so there's not like a lot yeah. to say um <laughs> where it's like yeah it's like I feel like the the interesting topics or like the the like the more um the more things to talk about are like the things peripheral to like the the lore I was made aware of like seconds before the podcast yeah when hilarious. I forgot what time zone our guest was in and was killing time and saying hey Ben have you <laughs> Yeah. Do you want to know how Scar got his scar? <laughs> like it's, <laughs> it's just you, like did... it's very clearly like a scar from like a, another lion. Like that's clearly what it is, but it's from like snake fangs, I guess. <laughs> sometimes you know, sometimes huh. it's a snake. Other times it's a lion. That's what they always say. Yeah, no, it's like I feel like you know the Lion King. It's a classic. It's a Disney Renaissance. Jeremy Irons like doing great. Um, definitely, like, I, I, my favorite vocal performance probably has to be, like, James Earl Jones, like, holy crap, like, is he doing, like, a powerhouse I mean, yeah, he just, he just has um, a natural advantage, he just has the best voice of all time, it's just, like, you have to give it to him. Yeah, 100, like, a billion percent, but, like, Jeremy Irons definitely, like, I mean, yeah, Irons has a great easily. voice, too, you know, they, 
cast well in that regard. Yeah, they fit their like he's just yeah he sounds he's like he's got very much he's got like that sort of like very like kind of droll like tired and like James Earl Jones is like this booming commanding it's like their their interactions are probably some of my favorite in the movie when they're talking to each other like it is it is tops. yeah i think of the few things the lion king 2019 gets right one of them is just oh yeah we should just bring james earl jones jones back to be mufasa again because like you really can't do much better than like than that voice and i did not see the 2019 lion king does he sound significantly older in the new one or um i have not seen the movie i've only seen like clips on youtube and like and like comparison videos um he does sound a little older um like he definitely doesn't have like as as big of a boom as he once did um it's also like really hard too because like what you're looking at is also yes that's that's a demerit (laughs) um so like i like i wonder like i wonder how much of because like the vocal performance is only one half of it like the animation and the expression in this movie like Paired with that, like, just, it brings it all together. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, this is definitely one of James Earl Jones' best performances up there with, like, Darth Vader and the time he played himself on an episode of The Big Bang Theory as, like, just a party animal who, like, spends a night hanging out with Jim Parsons. It's great. Yeah, I'd say his top three is probably <laughs> the Darth Vader, that Big Bang Theory episode, and the <laughs> CNN voice, and then Lion King. I think that's probably... Do do you uh, know do you know about him doing the voice for CNN? I don't know if you have CNN in Canada. I've realized, um, so I might. It's kind of available in Canada. I am familiar with it because there is, of course, the famous Simpsons bit. Yes, with, yes, yes. Of yeah, course. when Bleeding Gums Murphy dies, and then it's all the James Earl Jones characters like in the sky. Like it's. Uh no, I just just I guess it's just fair to say that I was um blown away we go. by we the go. lion king here we go <laughs> i don't want to say that we're entering the good stuff yeah. now because we've i've done some very popular and acclaimed movies but i think these last two is where the real meat of this discussion is going to be <laughs> yeah um yeah i guess to sort of uh to, to to point out something i think we pointed out earlier speed and blown away are like they're they're not only in the same genre they're in the same subgenre um uh this one has at least like like 120 percent more irish yes um i think i think speed is a better movie but i think blown away has three scenes that like that completely like mop the floor blown away takes itself Um, more seriously as a film which maybe works to its detriment when Tommy Lee Jones is giving what uh, William, I believe you put in your letterbox review a leprechaun performance. Just, I mean, how else can you describe it? <laughs> no, that's totally fair. I, for our our fans, know uh, that I watched the movies at two times speed, and like I couldn't for a majority of this movie because he is he is not comprehensible at, at one time speed, <laughs> regular speed. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't just me, because I would listen to it, like, and I was like, I was like, is watching movies at two times speed, like, frying my brain? Because I would, like, I would put it at normal speed, I would listen to it, be like, nope, still didn't get it. What is the issue? Um, But yeah, like, I would say, like, the three scenes is, like, the scene where, um, where the, I'm trying to see, like, the 
protagonist's Jimmy Dove. Um, wife. Uh, yeah, Jimmy Dove's wife, uh, played by Susan, it's, Susan yes, Cameron. Yeah, yeah, James Cameron's um, wife. Yeah, oh wow, I didn't actually know that. That's super cool. The web, the, the MTV web grows bigger. Um, where she is like in the house, like turning on different appliances. And like that scene is so suspenseful. And like it's every like click of like a, of like a furnace or a light switch. It shows like the inner mechanisms because like any of these could be like a palm. Um, and then the other one is his friend Max getting like tied up to a palm with like that little like ball in like his yeah. back. That, like, triggers him to explode. And then this one isn't as, like, artistically, like, shot or profound. But when the boat explodes and just keeps <laughs> on exploding till I'm, like, grabbing my stomach laughing is is probably, like, the height of this year of watching this year's movies for me. Um, that was utter insanity yeah i think it the end explosion is maybe the high point of the movie like you said it just you when it you think it stopped it hasn't it just keep every inch of yeah. the boat like there is no <laughs> stone left unturned by the time the explosion yeah. is done yeah and everything in between these three scenes isn't like the best um, it is is clearly outdone by like speeds like much more casual tone and like quippy wittiness. I th- yeah, I think that large chunks of Blown Away I find pretty boring. I don't think any of Speed is boring because it it just refuses to stop. But Blown Away stops quite a bit, I would say. Yeah, that that's definitely the best way to like definitely the best way to put it. Uh, I like Blow, Blown Away. It's it's a movie I can't, first came across it last year when I was going through a phase where I would get on like Prime Video and just watch random stuff that popped up on like their homepage. Typically like 90s type thrillers and sometimes they'd pay off. And th- this one actually I think it was like a suggestion from like another film and it's like, oh yeah, it's like, oh, they go, he goes after a mad bomber, Tommy Lee Jones. I'm like, oh yeah this sounds good and i had no idea what i was about to hear when tommy lee jones comes in with like his accent and i think like it's weird and a big part of the reason that it's weird is i mean without and the history of the ira is complicated and there's many different like iterations of it but it's insane that this is a movie in the 90s was like oh yeah and the villain of course is like the ira and part of it is just Jeff Bridges trying to deal with the weight of having been in, like, the IRA, and it it's just one where, like, it's going for, like, it's maybe biting off more than it can chew, but I kind of, like, admire it for, for that, and also that Jeff Bridges being more of a flawed protagonist, I would say, than, like, other, other people, to the point where, like, the in the end, he's like, yeah, no, I... I quit. I'm I'm done with this. Like I'll let Forrest Whitaker blackmail me. Like it's. <laughs> I mean, Forrest Whitaker in this movie. I mean, there are many crazy performances in Blown Away, and I think his is one of them. Even though it's basically just what Forrest Whitaker always does, which is just go in super hard, just do the most, even when he's not seeming to doing anything. This is this is basically yeah. the same performance he gives 
uh, a decade or so later on The Shield, the, the TV show. Except there, he's like a villainous internal affairs agent who's like on the trail of the main cop, and he's just like super like nervous. He's just like you know sort of squirmy. It's very he's very good on it, and this is, I'd say this is probably objectively. His is the best performance in this movie because otherwise you have a bunch of talented actors doing very bizarre things that like maybe some of them may be indefensible even as they're entertaining. I mean, yeah, Jones is, as you said, just insane. Like there's no way to describe it, honestly. Yeah, and this isn't like... There's a f- there there is a film between like this one and the fugitive and I'm sure like this came out before or he f- probably filmed this before all the attention from the fugitive but it's insane that he does this so close to the fugitive like yeah a- they really struck while the iron was hot there I'm saying also like I mean we'll get to Batman Forever next year but I think his Batman Forever performance almost might be more reined in than this one, and that one, like, he goes in immediately just as a cackling maniac. Like, it's... I mean, that's what he is... Can we talk about the scene in this where he, in character, does an American accent? Because I, I swear to God, I swear to God he's trying to do a quote-unquote gay voice. I Maybe I, my ears are mistaking me. But I swear to God, like, he's doing slightly mincing American accent over his <laughs> ungodly Irish accent. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's very, there's layers to it. There's a lot of layers. And, like, I think, oh, I, don't, I don't know if we were recording, I, again, I always forget whenever we, what conversations we have before. Um, we were talking about how he got, like, a U2 uh cassette or was it cd and i um i think what's the one uh, with or without you is probably i would say probably my favorite song um like of of all um just based off like the metric of it like it is probably stayed in my rotation of like daily music listening to for like the longest time and it's not i was i was careless whisper Um, (laughs) oh no i i uh that one, that one, I think had like a bit of a hot spike during the when Deadpool came out, but it definitely died out a little bit for me. And your classic um, camp bit where we, you would get everyone to reflect and listen to nature, and then once everyone was like well relaxed, you just play Careless Whisper for, like... <laughs> and relax them further. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I did not know that song was uh, not that this is old or anything, but like I didn't know this song like was old enough to yeah, be in this it's, movie. Yeah, it's it's 87. Um, that's the That's insane. That feels like a mid 2000s wow. song that's, to me for that's some interesting. reason. Wow. I mean, it's, it's a very in like the It's I mean, yeah, it's, it's in the finale of 80s period piece The Americans, which I guess you've never seen, but it's a very good show. No. I've seen it's uh, a sequel about how to make an American quilt. Um <laughs> The only scene of the Americans I no, I've seen the opening of like the pilot of the Americans for a class and I've seen the with or without you scene and that's it. And I will say I have irritable takes about how that scene in the Americans cuts up that song. But I will not share them because people like that show. So yeah. But yeah, it's... with or without you is I think an incredible song. 
I don't think it really works as it's used in this movie. Like, at least how they're intending it to yeah. be used. Because it's meant to be playing over, like, a suspense sequence. Like, not like a... Like, just sort of waiting for something bad to happen. And it's it doesn't convey that at all, I would say. It's just like... No, it, yeah, it's it's jarring and, like, really Yeah, confusing. and it goes on for a while. Like, they play it uninterrupted with basically no other sound. And then they do the same with I Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For, which is even weirder, because that song is, like... That does not fit the tone of this movie at all. I don't know how they got to that song specifically. This movie is kind of like Baby Driver if he had one yeah. cassette. And two, um, two songs was, on that cassette. Was... <laughs> yeah. So if you've ever seen Blown Away, which and I think like it is kind of the least known of any of the films on this list, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Tommy Lee Jones is this IRA bomber. He's been in prison and he escapes and goes after Jeff Bridges, who used to be in the IRA, but had kind of regrets after... Yeah, basically Tommy Lee Jones was going to do something that was going to get, I think, children killed? Or or maybe it was just people getting killed in general, and he tried to stop it, but it led to his girlfriend, who was Tommy Lee Jones's sister, getting killed, and other stuff. So now he's been redeeming himself as a Bomb Squad member, who's finally ready to retire and settle down when he has to, like, stop, stop all these bombings, but... Well, Tommy Lee Jones is out very early on. He meets, like, a, a woman who sells him a U2 tape. He's like, well, better see what the lads were up to while I was away. And it is just the Joshua Tree. <laughs> and they just play the Joshua Tree songs, which are not thematic, like, do not fit with the tone of the movie at all, as we've said. It's... I mean, yeah, I... Like, the obvious one, if you want to make an IRA movie with U2 songs, is Sunday Bloody Sunday. And I almost wonder if, like, for some reason U2 did not let them use that, so they went to other U2 songs. Because that's the only way going to these two in, in specific really makes sense. Yeah. I wonder if there's, like, more of a history there, but... Here's one, yeah, because Sunday Bloody Sunday would be, like, more... Of... I mean, yeah, it would still feel out of place as U2 just does not seem like the band you're playing during a thriller, but, like, it's... I mean, but Sunday Bloody Sunday has, like, you know, the intense drum beat, and it's about, like, the troubles and about Irish violence, so it fits. Like, even if it, like, would be odd played in it, it fits thematically, at least. Well, neither of these fit at all in any way. Yeah. The use of, like, needle drops here, and... I I'll say I do enjoy when there's like a needle drop that's just so out of place, but when when I think of a lot is the Netflix show Thirteen Reasons Why, um that yeah, one once popular of the of the moment like drama there of a kid trying to make sense of his friend's suicide and but like the end of the first episode where like he's getting to the end of this tape that he knows like he's gonna be on and like it's this thing where she's saying she's she's saying she's like well, just keep keep listening. You're involved, like you you don't know how, but like it's this dramatic scene. But the needle drop that starts playing is the Vance Joy song "Messes Mine," which mm. is I just a not. very upbeat. And all of a sudden, he's like seeing cat the ghost of Catherine Langford. It's like the song is playing, and I'm like, I don't know what they think they're do, what tone they think this is getting, but like it, this is not it for like. The, and that was the good season of that show, but like, 
<laughs> before if before we move on, can we talk about Jeff Bridges's performance in Blown Away? Because obvi- I think Tommy Lee Jones gets all the attention for obvious reasons, but I think Bridges is quietly doing as inexplicable an accent as Tommy Lee Jones is, because it's all mixed up. It's sometimes Irish a little. Sometimes it's just Jeff Bridges talking like Jeff Bridges in the 90s did. And then sometimes it's Boston specifically. It's Listen, this his an enemy from his his Irish past is is causing him to like his his accent yes. is slipping. Uh I think it was a very in, intentional intelligent moment um from from Jeff Bridges to sort of be be bouncing between accents. Yeah, it 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 is funny whenever like, he starts speaking and he has the accent, and I'm like, huh? Yeah, it's it's, it's like, like you need it's to... like Carrie Ellis in the Crush, but on purpose. You need to listen very carefully for it because you will miss it if you if you're just like half paying attention. Yeah, there's no real like rhyme or reason to why he's talking the way he's talking. Also, it's funny that he's like trying to downplay his Irish heritage, but. Everyone knows his uncle is Lloyd Bridges, who, like, is... To... Uh, Lloyd Bridges doing full top of the morning to you. He's maybe even more of a leprechaun <laughs> yeah. than Tommy Lee Jones is. Oh, yeah. Is that, that's um, that's yes. Max, right? Yeah, the guy, that, the yeah, guy yeah. with the hot yeah. tub <laughs> is his thing. <laughs> that he never gets the jets to work. The um... bit where Jeff Bridges, after... Lloyd Bridges has died is in the hot tub and starts shooting the hot tub is very funny. <laughs> that scene, yeah, well, that yeah. scene is is peak insanity. Oh my gosh! Brid- and like, man, Bridges yeah. is like losing his mind also, for so much of this movie, especially whenever he has to like run to somebody as a bomb is about to go off. He's like full neck bulging. No, like it's crazy. He looks insane. Like I get he's play he's gonna be worried obviously but he's just playing it like a parody of movie like you know trying to stop the bomb from going off. Well, I'll say I do appreciate that they give you plenty of different types of bomb defusal scenes. Yes, there's a variety of bombs here. Though I w- I must ask I was gonna I glad I remembered this. How did the head how does the headphones bomb work? I don't think I got that. I, I assume it's similar to like the the thing he stepped on earlier, where like he's put the headphones on his head, and there's been like a click, and if he if he pulls the headphones away from his ears, and like it'll release whatever the bomb is. I assume yeah, that's I, what but it is. I, at first I thought it was that he could not move at all because that's why he was like using his foot to dial the phone. But then he then his hands I, are free. To like cut the bomb yeah. wire later, so I, I yeah, I assume I assume it was something to do with like the something with the head. He just didn't want to like jiggle the headphones at all. Maybe that's why he was using his yeah, feet. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Also, yeah, like on the on the I'm trying to like verify this because um, on like the uh, what is it the the um, blown away wikipedia it does say that like the film suffers in comparison to another terrorist with a bomb in quotes movie speed which was rushed to sit rushed into cinemas to beat blown away 
Um, and like, I'm trying and like the, the link I think is like a New York times article. And I want to verify that. Cause like that exists on this Wikipedia, but not on the speed one. And I wonder if it's just like made up or misinterpreted. I mean, cause like, I mean, upset. in some ways, I think the blown away <laughs> Wikipedia reads like people involved with the movie trying to like put a happy face on what was <laughs> kind of unambiguously a failure for them. So I would, no, no, it's just, you know, it's like all this talk about like jeff bridges talking about oh i chose this because it's like very profound and you know it's got characters and all that and it's like then you know then when the speed anecdote comes it sort of feels like you know sort of passing the buck on to a different diff like blaming other people rather than just that nobody wanted to see a movie with tommy lee jones playing an irishman i mean Despite the fact that this opened at fourth place at the box office, this still was apparently MGM's biggest opening weekend ever with ten point five million dollars, like or, or its biggest one in a decade. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's why that's why they're still getting bought out to this day. Yeah, they just they don't have money. Basically, who, who will own MGM next? It's a big question. It's, it's like hot potato; they it keeps getting passed for people. It will be somebody else eventually. <laughs> yeah, so I I, did, I was able to find the article. Apparently, it is true that um, uh, Mr. Debon um did like rush to complete uh speed like spent more than a million dollar on a seven day a week overtime. Jesus, Honestly, good um, for him. Like, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, like. But I, like I'm trying to like I guess it, didn't, it did not um, negatively affect the finished product. So good for him. He's, no, he's, yeah, he's a pro. Yeah, well, like I wonder how much of this was like. I guess maybe. Like, I guess like blown away. I guess it is like famous actors, and I guess like you don't know what the movie is, so like you don't want your you want your bomb movie to come up before their bomb movie. Yeah, because it's to- if it's Tommy Lee Jones like immediately post fugitive. That's a lot yeah. of juice. That's probably more juice than. Keanu has at that yeah, point. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, just like the line on the Wikipedia page just super just sounded like a salty made up lie. Um <laughs> that but apparently it is true. So I'm glad that I was able to able to get that sorted. Also, I think we're it's like, we're almost on the phone away, but something I want to know is there are three credited writers on this and one of them is the it's the only writing credit of Jay Roach who goes I, yeah, on to I was direct wondering. the Austin Power films. It's like, yes, and Trumbo. Uh, don't yeah. don't forget Trumbo and Bombshell. Um, meet the yes. parents. Just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. I don't. I don't think I have anything else to say about Blown Away. I was I was surprised with how much fun I had with this movie. This movie is. I don't know if it's worth a watch, but it's definitely worth a watch at two times speed. It's worth looking up clips because, like. Again, you have to hear what Tommy Lee Jones is doing for yourself. Like, we can <laughs> yeah. tell you it's crazy, but you're not going to, like, really understand until you hear him talking. Like, it's... And you're still not going to understand what he's saying. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I do want yeah. to give a little bit of context that this is, I believe this is, let's see, is it his immediate follow-up? No, it is... Two movies after Jeff Bridges appears in the American remake of The Vanishing, where he does a even more bizarre, like a Tommy Lee Jones in this level, bizarre accent, pseudo-European, but not really. Like, it's, imagine 
Jeff Bridges doing a Donald Sutherland impression, and that's what that is. So any fans of bizarre movie accents should check out the 1993 American remake of The Vanishing, and otherwise should not check it out because that movie sucks. Oh man, um, yeah, it's been the va- the Vanishing is like this 19. 19- it was like a 1988 just kind of art house thriller type. This just really dark, sad film about like a, a guy whose like wife just abruptly disappears, and he spends his time like searching for her until he finds someone who basically. Said so he's like, look, he's like, I took her. You can find out what happened to her, and it's kind of this thing. And then it gets remade into this Keith, a Kiefer Sutherland vehicle in 1993. Yes, yes. it's insane. Huh. But from the same director, it's yes, and, it's an and early Sandra a, Bullock vehicle too. Yeah, she plays the one. Who, she plays the one who disappears. Yeah, she's not even yeah because there's a different female lead after that. She's Nancy Travis. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. but we got one more film to talk about. <laughs> yes, well, and speaking it's... of movies that suck, <laughs> disclosure. Oh yeah. Um. Oh yeah. I guess. Uh. I guess to get it out of the way, me and Kenny to talk about this. I think this movie is both not as bad slash not as problematic as the crush i would say i think the crush still holds that 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 metal of some yeah. variety the, cr- the crush gets um, the oh this sucks because of like the real life he 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 took this story from his real life made it worse and then didn't change the name of the person involved where disclosure <laughs> for all the problems it has at least it takes an insane swing in the last half hour by going into like yeah. a virtual reality world. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to go for the mat as for disclosures anything but pure fiction. You cannot say this happens every day because it doesn't. Yeah, disclosure. Ba- yeah, our second Michael Crichton like adaption after Jurassic Park. Um, yeah. I'd say about as good, you know, may, maybe a little better, but you know. Wow. Just... Yeah. Sufficiently less dinosaurs, but about the same level of like, uh, of like technological advancement. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Like... A big plot point is CD-ROM production. CD-ROM gets said more <laughs> times than you would ever expect it to be said in a movie. Just That and merger... Um, like there's there's so much shop talk in this movie um about like sexual assault um <laughs> and it's just it is it's clumsy it's kind of just boring at times instead until like the third act and then it gets yeah like insane virtual reality um yeah it just it it it's it is just a is an interesting movie is it has interesting elements to it i guess yeah i'd say it is interesting in the macro but actually watching it for long stretches is very dull very yeah very very like there there are huge stretches that are entirely boring um and it just it is it's got like a it's got really strange messaging like it's 
he kind of out of nowhere in one scene while like yelling at like like the maid like oh so i'm just the the white guy i'm the bad guy for like no reason (laughs) um which is just like i don't that's just insane um (laughs) i like it's just i feel like very like this movie's like content i don't think it never i don't think it's like ever like none of it's like about race um despite the fact that every single um like custodial worker is a like a woman of color in this movie which is i guess that's weird um (laughs) i guess that's like the one statement it tries to make about race weirdly um it's just a weird clumsy movie yeah it's a film where and i think we talked about this on air but before actually watching it my biggest like understanding of what this culture was about was uh, the Big Mouth musical episode where the kids are putting on a play of Disclosure the musical. And it's, yeah, and it ties into their arc of the one teacher there being, like, just a real creep. And so I'm like, oh, okay, this is, like, a theme of all this problematic stuff. And I did not realize that the film itself cares more about corporate intrigue than the sexual harassment part. The sexual harassment part is just a means to an end. Like, it's... Yeah, like I, it, it's weird that this movie that I feel like that's probably what it's most known for. You could have taken that out entirely. It could have been anything. Um, like it, it really is not a is not a a essential part of this plot for like yeah for like the merger to go through or to people like to keep their jobs. It's really strange. Yeah. Um, it's also a film that works bends over way too backwards to go. Oh. Yeah, no, just because it's like he's mad that it's not—he's not mad that his job is passed over for a woman. He's mad because it wasn't the right woman. Like, just—I mean, casting yeah. Michael Douglas as a sympathetic male lead of any kind in this kind of movie is really asking for trouble, especially after Basic Instinct, where he plays like the devil. He's just—he's just a naturally seedy guy where you don't believe that he's on the level, but. This movie kind of wants you to believe that he is on the level more so than Basic Instinct does. I'll say they do give him plenty of scenes with the one actor I'd argue who can be even seedier, just because of how unassuming he is with Dylan Baker. Like, well, yeah, I mean, if you've seen Happiness, then you've seen Dylan Baker really <laughs> seedy. Yeah, I I've never seen that. I have seen like every episode of The Good Wife and his, yeah. With his, with his classic, yeah, guy who's actively just the one, one of the their couple clients who is just actively a murderer. Like it's, um, but Dylan, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, yeah, he he plays a, a I believe a child molester fully in Happiness, and oh, a, an yeah. amazing performance. N- not in, well, I, I wouldn't, maybe not an easy movie to watch, but it's also very funny despite everything about it, so highly recommend that. Yeah, the one thing I think Dylan Baker that I've seen him in where he's, like, kind of sympathetic is, well, I guess, like, his little roles in Spider-Man 2 and 3 as Dr. Kurt Connors, but only because they never got to the point where he just becomes, like, a lizard. Um, missed opportunity there. And then... Yeah, I was gonna... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about the threat of him becoming full Dylan Baker, so that's why you cast him. Yeah, and then he's also he appears in uh, 
actually the Americans again, he, he does like an arc is this Ru Russian scientist working on like biological weapons, which surprisingly there is one of his most like sympathetic roles where there's a lot of pa pathos to like his situation. It's just this lonely guy, <laughs> but But Demi Moore, like, hey. Yeah, yeah, we should mention the nominee here. Uh, I do not think yeah. that she is very good in this movie. I No, and, like, even, yeah, like, the performance is all right. and But, like, even as, like, a villain, other than, like, the big bad she does, like, she doesn't super do much after that. <laughs> I mean, the most she gets to do is be, like, a wireframe digital model in the VR simulation, which is a, <laughs> an extremely funny visual <laughs> really like there more of the movie should have taken taken place in there yes that should um, be that like, should be the starting place not like, like a woman yeah. sexually harassed a man what maybe you could even have that happen in the vr and then there's an even another layered question there. it's a harassment you know? if it happens <laughs> online like is, is it, it would be topical for the times just yeah, it would be. It would. It would be. You know, with metaverse implementing its uh, four foot rules, um, like it could be an interesting thing to explore. Could take touched by um, an angel to a new level. It's... Yeah, it's just yeah. It's just like yeah, and also um, yeah. Between like this movie and um, and also blown away, we got a, a couple of like like very supportive wives, despite the situations they're in. Um, like like uh, very much um, reminiscent of the that Blues Brothers scenes where it's like stand by your man. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, I wish we got to cover the Blues Brothers. My my dad loves that movie, and I I adore it. I mean, is Blues Brothers 2000 nominated at any of the... <laughs> I imagine not, but, you know. The villain is the the insane, the comically large amount of police vehicles in the final scene. <laughs> it, is, it is the funniest sight gag in any movie ever. It's just the copious amount of police cars in that last chase in the Blues Brothers. <laughs> oh. But yeah... Um, yeah, Disclosure, it's, yeah, it's mostly boring. It's, like, it's a lot of, like, we gotta do the merger and fix the microchip. That's, like, a lot of the movie. Um, and, like, and like, is it, like, is it Malaysia? Like, where is, where is, like, the conflict? There's, is some, there's, like, a, another country. Um, uh, Malaysia, yeah. It is, yeah. <laughs> and, like... There's, like, a scene during the climax where, like, he's like, well, like, well, you went to for the tour, like, you've never been to Malaysia? And then clicks on the TV, look, that's you in Malaysia. <laughs> it's just like... And then she immediately just starts calling, I mean, well, she doesn't say fake news, because that wasn't, like, a thing, but she's like, no, she's like, that's a... But she... But it, it is, like, this funny thing where, like, she's just, like, she's giving what's supposed to be, like, a triumphant thing or what she thinks is a triumph and the movie's like and the movie's like look how like dumb she's being there basically and where she's like this doesn't prove anything yeah and then she gets like fired <laughs> yeah and then like I think she she's also uh, weirdly enough I feel like another villain that gets uh, 
not a happy ending, but like very little comeuppets. She sort of gives her final little spiel at the end where she's like, I'll just be like, I'll be in another corporation a week from now. And like, don't be surprised if I come back in 10 years and buy this place. Yeah. She's like, I'm um, already being headhunted. She's. <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess like, I guess if one thing you take away from this year is that like the three kinds of people that have a chance of getting away so far are dinosaurs, uh, sexual abusers and vampires um hope thank thankfully we've had a pretty good record with like sexual harassers that they usually don't get away um they usually drown or like die somewhere else unfortunately like that last one is unfortunately a bit too true to like reality but yeah like people in powerful positions like and like yeah, that's the weird thing is that this movie hits some things like correctly, um, like over the fifty things it trips over, like some of the characters being like, oh, like oh, like a guy can't get sexually harassed, like you were into it, weren't you? Like it's just like it's, it's it's so possible to make a movie like this with like that type of premise, um, but this movie was way too focused on like virtual reality and like the quarterly fiscal budget. Um, <laughs> and I'll say this, Michael Douglas is is lucky that the professor that his co-worker's son was interviewing for his name wasn't a enemy. Just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the stupidest yeah. most confusing review. I don't yeah. know. I didn't I did I didn't know what that meant. That didn't mean anything. What do you like it's, I don't, it's, that was yeah. just, it's not a reveal that anybody has been wondering about. <laughs> no, nobody cares. Nobody cares. They're so like, confused why the emails were signed from a friend. Like, why would you think that stood for anything? Just R for friend? <laughs> he just wants to be friends with you. Come on, Michael. Why you gotta assume everything's a conspiracy? That is the most befuddling ending. Yeah. Well... <laughs> Also, it's like she was telling her son to do things instead of just doing stuff herself. Like, it's... Yeah, it's like, oh, man. Like, what a... Oh, my... And, like, I don't know. When I watch a movie like this, I wonder how much of it is, like, ahead of its time. But I also, like, I'm not going to do the research of what technology was available when this came out. It's also, like, super possible that, like, all of this stuff that it's like ripping it's saying about VR was ripped off from like Tron or something or like another movie like before this one came out. Um, I haven't seen Tron, but I'm like, fairly confident that Tron's depiction of like a virtual world <laughs> is a lot better than this one with its <laughs> angel. <Yeah>. Just <laughs> Oh yeah, Angel <laughs> That doesn't like oh did you um did you watch like the the Chip and Dale trailer? Yeah, we talked about that in the last oh, yeah. episode. Uh, I just there's like that one scene with like the the character voiced by Seth Rogen where like it's he's just looking like forward. That's what Angel did the whole time. Uh yeah, he never looked directly at. Yeah, him. Seth Rogen doing a spoof of a movie we're going to be talking about eventually, Beowulf. Like, just... yeah, yeah, in the time where everything looked realistic but nothing looked right. <laughs> Which is a, that's an apt description. Oh. Yeah, like, yeah, uh, any, are there any extra thoughts about Disclosure? Yeah, this is our last chance to say cancel worthy stuff, come on. Just... Okay, oh, oh exactly. I, I don't know if I can 
manage that. Uh, I should <laughs> note that this is Disclosures directed by Barry Levinson, a filmmaker I have some fascination with, because some t- not even sometimes, I'd say one time, he's like a genius, and the rest of the time he's like a serviceable enough like hired hand. Because he did he did Avalon in nineteen ninety, which is fully one of the greatest movies that's ever been made. And this is four years and four movies later. So he worked a lot in the nineties. This he actually has two movies out this year. It's Disclosure and a movie that I think only I've seen called Jimmy Hollywood, which is another Christian Slater vehicle. And is a movie about Joe Pesci, like, becoming a crime-fighting vigilante. Very, very odd movie. Yeah, he also did, um, Bugsy. Yeah. Which is, like, like, good kiss kind of boring movie. Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, Bugsy, I think Warren Beatty is really bad in Bugsy, and that holds it back a lot. Yeah, it, it, it goes in... But, but yeah, I agree. A- Avalon, like, a masterpiece, just staggering, and then everything else, like, it, it's weird. He he does Rain Man, a movie that I, I, I have a complicated relationship with as, some, as someone with, like, autism for, like, it both introdu- essentially introducing autism into, like, the public consciousness, but also then introducing a lot of, like, the most negative stereotypical things that would become associated with it, um, and then, but, yeah, just crazy career, and now his son, his son Sam makes Euphoria, like, yeah, I think, I think there should be a disclosure homage in Euphoria, I just, I fit it in, it has to fit in there somewhere, just get one of them in the fucking VR hallway, Bring the angel in. Get the whoever get the angel. I mean, Listen, in the most I, recent episode of Euphoria, Maude Apatow puts on a school play that seems to have the budget of one million dollars. So I'm sure they have like access to VR technology somehow. Yeah. Listen, I I just got to the part in Stranger Things where I now understand the context of um, hashtag Justice for Bart. We need um, hashtag Justice for Angel in Euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no. This was a uh, this was a good week. Um, yeah, even the movies that were like the most boring had like a couple things that just were insane enough to keep you going. Um, and then the other ones were just good, good movies, just great movies. Like what a what a wonderful, wonderful year. Uh, yeah. So now we're at the point where we are going to rank first the movies on their own, and then we will rank the villain performances. Um. Who would like to go first? I guess is a... Yeah, I can uh, I can do mine. Um, ooh, yeah, because I definitely I might want to change one. Uh, I think that my three and four slot, but I think at the bottom I have disclosure. Um, like on on top of it having like really weird messaging, it's also just like not super interesting and only has like a couple like weird laughable moments. Um, I think originally. I think I had Vampire here, but I think I'm going to switch it with um, with uh, Blown Away. So I think I'll have Blown Away in the number four spot. Because um, as I've kind of talked through it, I think I realized that like 
I think I was just riding off the high of a lot of the insane scenes of that. Or I feel like Vampire, uh, Interview with a Vampire, is a much more like consistently good movie. And that's why I'm going to throw it in the third slot. Um, and then for my top two, I think I'm going to have The Lion King just beat out Speed. Um, I think Speed is like a really fun, quippy movie. But like I feel like Lion King is sort of in like a bit of a league of its own, honestly, in terms of like everything coming together um, to make like such a like beautiful sounding looking uh, movie with like a great songs. Okay, cool. Uh, William, do you have your movie rankings on the, uh, yes. Bottom disclosure, easy, like no question Four blown away just above disclosure because just, I think it's highs are much higher even as the one thing in Disclosure that's crazy is super crazy. Three, uh, Lion King. Like I said, not as high, not as much of a favorite of mine as it is for you two, I believe. Then two, Interview with a Vampire. One, Speed. Okay. Oh. Great, yeah. Yeah, so, bo- so bottom, Disclosure, look. When he puts on, goes into virtual reality world, it was such a crazy s- scene that I'm like, oh, wait, is this good? And then I'm like, no, no, that's crazy. I can't just say it's good because it's doing, because he goes into like a just ridiculous virtual reality <laughs> sequence. So the social <laughs> at the bottom, like, I'm not going to support anything it's saying. It's, problematic for many reasons boring but it's just insane scene then above that yeah probably blown away which i do like a lot but like there's just it's a really good week for movies got got a lot of good stuff um the then above that probably probably yeah probably interview with the vampire yeah 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 just you know, Pitt's not great, but everything Slater's not great. Everything around around them is, and then, hmm, yeah, tr- trying to think. I'm uh, yeah, I might, I might yeah, I might just have to go with Ben here and put Lion King above Speed, but it is close. Speed. A film I've decided that I will watch every time we talk about it on this podcast. Just endlessly entertaining, endlessly fun. But Lion King, yeah, it's like Hamlet with lions. It's kind of hard to beat that that for me. Um, but how did the villains do? Um, yeah. Um. So for my villain list, it's I think it looks kind of similar. Um. I do have disclosure at the bottom. Um, like it's, it's sort of a crush situation where like, not only like, it's not that the, it not only was this movie problematic, the villain also just wasn't like super great. And I I would say that like this, um, disclosure, the Demi Moore villain is probably like a lot weaker than even the crush one. Um, yeah. Cause they kind of just do the big bad and then they don't really do much for the rest of the movie. And they're more like they're honestly given like equal footing as all the other like villainous characters. Um, and then 
uh, above that one. I think I'm going to have um, Dennis Hopper in speed. Um, I think he's doing like a great performance. I feel like he just needed to show up like a little more. Um, and then above that one, I would have Interview with a Vampire. Um, just, yeah, solid, solid Tom Cruise performance. Just going absolutely like crazy. Um, was in there for a good chunk. Wish he was in there a little more, but I like that we get to see the beginning and end of his story. I'm glad that we get his little capper. Um, and then for my top two, I think I will have the, um, the blown away Tommy Lee Jones, just a little bit below Scar. I think he's just, he's kind of, I think he's giving like a very, he's giving a very Dennis Hopper performance, but he's just there way more. And his, like, he just, he sets up more bombs, too, which is just really admirable. And then, like, Scar, obviously, it's it's um, Jeremy Irons' voice coming together with, like, the great animation. And he has, like, a great song. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. William, what okay. do you got? Well, once again, Demi Moore disclosure, easy bottom. Even more than the films, I'd say this is a not even an also ran it's just like she's also nominated it's just it's she it's not a very good performance it's not a very interesting villain it's just it's nothing really other than vaguely problematic above her hmm i want to give tommy lee jones a little more credit than this but i think that the top three is solid enough that i think he's gonna have to go in fourth place Though I really do appreciate the maniacal energy he brings to this. He did not need to do this. He did not need to, like I said, speak like a leprechaun, but he did. And I'm glad I was here to watch it, even as I did not really like the movie around him. Three, I don't know how Kenny's ranking is going to shake up, but I'm going to put Scar here just for the sake of variety. Again, this is a thing where I'm not as into Lion King as others, so I think he's had his time in the sun. So I'm not, I'm not, everybody else, you know, has spoken their piece about him, and I don't need to continue that. I, I'd rather go to Matt for two people I really love. Dennis Hopper second. I think he's just, he's just Dennis Hopper, and that's enough. And one is Lestat. An interview with the vampire Tom Cruise, just like maybe maybe Cruise's best performance, I would say, just like completely magnetic, like awful, compelling, just great great work. Yeah, um, definitely. I'll say my bottom is the exact same. Demi Moore in disclosure, just bad bad performance and. Really, really just sticks out like a sore, sore thumb in a series of villain performances that are at minimum just endlessly fascinating to me. Um, then above that, ooh. yeah, I, honestly, I, I might have to just put put Scar Scar there. Just you know, iconic villain, like it's great, but. I'll say, even as far as, like, great Disney villains go, I think Scar I would have below, like, Jafar, Ursula, Frollo from Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hades, like, 
yeah, it's, I, uh, I love, I love Lion King, but, like, Scar, weirdly not, not that high up on my villain list, as, as good as Irons is in that part, um, then above, above that, yeah, Tommy Lee Jones in Blown Away, it's about as high as I can go for a performance where he's doing that voice, but, like, I, but the voice also probably gets it higher than it would be, so it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, that, that's true. It's I'm glad he's doing that performance. I'm glad this exists. It's it's insane, but yeah. Then for then for the top top, hmm. Um, I think to to go for like a bit of a bit of a, fir- a first year where. All three people kind of just have different things. I'm gonna I have to give Hopper my number one, just because, yeah, speed, endlessly entertaining. Hopper, a huge part of that. With Tom Cruise, a very close second as Lestat. If Lestat was maybe in it a little bit more, then you know maybe he take takes that number one. Just funny because that's kind of Ben's reasoning for like Hopper not being higher for him, but like it's. But yeah, it's just two very good, very fun villain performances that really help elevate those movies and make them something special. Um, so, yeah. So that, I think, wraps up about Best Villain 1995. Now we've come to Recommendation of the Week, where well, we can all recommend whatever we want to our listening public, assuming they didn't leave... Assuming they didn't stop listening immediately after I invoked the Oklahoma City bombing at the beginning of this episode, um, <laughs> I've, I, I've, I've since I sincerely forgot that we did that at the start. <laughs> we should have tied that in more, um, but <laughs> that would be uh, the name of the episode. <laughs> I just, I just want to say because I was, I went through a phase a few months ago of watching old MTV movie and video music awards ceremonies. Because they have a few of them basically in fall online. And one of them, I think, is Mark Wahlberg and George Clooney presenting Best Villain for, like, 1999-2000. And, like, before they announce it, Mark Wahlberg has a little canned thing, like, actually, the best villain is Charlton Heston for being the president of the NRA. And, like, that's... And weirdly, I think that's after he worked with Charlton Heston on Planet of the Apes. So I'm not sure what happened there. But anyway, in in the spirit of Mr. Wahlberg, I want to give the best villain trophy for 1995 to Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. God, I've... We could do that. Such, <laughs> I've ended this so, so badly. Good. Jesus. <laughs> 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 no, it's <laughs> best villain in our hearts, Timothy McVeigh. It's... Yeah, yeah. What he? D- yeah, he. D- I mean, he set off a bigger bomb than Hopper, and and Jones too. So that's impressive. Good for him. No, with a, with sincere apologies to the residents of Oklahoma City. <laughs> Just. Even the ones who weren't born yet when that happened. We just, we got a, Oklahoma City's good name was tarred forever. So, uh, yeah. William, you have anything you want to recommend to the audience? Scott, well. 
Uh, yes, so my recommendation would be... Hmm, let me think. Let me see. Oh, yes. Uh, I watched this a few days ago. Uh, in sp with everybody going crazy for Drive My Car, I cannot recommend Usuki Hamaguchi's previous 2021 movie, Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, highly enough. I think I like it more than Drive My Car. I think it's a beautiful, frequently very funny, frequently very sad movie. It's more playful than Drive My Car, but still, like, very moving when it sort of gets to the heart of itself. So check that out if you haven't. Uh, cool. Ben, what do you got this week? Yeah, um, me and you were actually talking about it before. I know I've recommended it before, but now I can actually uh, recommend the actual show. Uh, the Proud Family Louder and Prouder. Uh, I'm not sure how many episodes are going to be out when this episode drops, but there's two episodes right now. And they're incredibly fun. Um, yeah, like it is. It is very on brand. If you like the original show, you're gonna really like this one. I think it's. I think it looks really nice. Um, uh, I think they like. I think it's like a nice sort of. I, I need to go back and watch the old one because, uh, like, it definitely looks like a little different. It's definitely like it's like like a sort of modern tweening animation, uh, but I think it still captures like the wackiness of the of the original series um yeah definitely give it a watch they it's weird because you can definitely tell when it was written because there is just lingo that has become completely um like deprecated and not in like the like oh this word is offensive we don't use it anymore just saying stuff like fam and stuff there's just certain things like that that have just completely left the zeitgeist um, but if that doesn't bother you too much, then this show will be an absolute ride and blast for you. Cool. Yeah, and I'm also going to recommend a recent show that's two episodes in, but it'll be, I believe, up to six. Or, yeah, or or six will be dropping that day when it airs. So at least five, but it is called Severance. It is on Apple TV, and it is a show... Um, Ben Stiller has, like, our pal who we'll be talking about more in a couple weeks, uh, but he's directed a bunch of the episodes of it, I, six of the nine episodes, and the pre the premise of S Severance is, it is, it is set kind of in this alternate future, it's following the workers at, at this company, uh, kind of the main one is Adam Scott from Parks and Rec and all, all these other ones, but it's a bunch of workers who work for this company in their severance program. And what that is, is they have implants in their head that when they are on their special work floor, essentially their work memories are completely separate from their personal lives. So they go into this elevator to work. And then the next thing they remember is them kind of coming back out. Meanwhile, their work lives have no essentially no memories of what the outside world is like, of sleep, of, like, vacation, vacations, anything. They are just kind of there to to work. And it's this mix of, like, it's kind of part, like, very sort of bleak satire, part sort of thriller, and they introduce these, like, twists and tur turns, and Patricia Arquette's in it doing, like, really good work, and Adam Scott's there, and just it's really interesting so far and has one of the best opening title sequences of the year 
kind of right up there with the aforementioned Peacemaker, which, though probably not as good as Peacemaker's one, which is all the characters of that show doing a big dance to the Wim Wham song, Do You, Do you Want to Taste It? But still. So check that out if you have Apple TV or are just good at watching stuff without streaming services. Um, but yeah, that that just just about brings us to the, to the end here. Uh, William, thanks for being on. It was a lot of fun. Is there anything you want to plug at this time? Uh, I suppose just my Twitter at El Soderbergo. Uh, you can follow me for things just mostly goofs and gags and movie talk i, I think hear that fans of is... sex lives and videotapes have something big to look forward to i wasn't gonna bring that up but yes i <laughs> i just did a i just pranked people on my twitter account and it honestly the fallout is not as bad as i thought it would be so you know i consider it a success so you, you might get pranked if you follow me but maybe not so, and if if it is a prank, I think you'll probably find it funny. So there you go. Ben, what do you got? Yeah, um, I, as always, I have my Twitter at uh, gakgak, and then I also have my Instagram uh, not two pens. Um, yeah, I've been doing daily workout and uh, drawings on my Instagram, and then every once in a while, I'll probably throw one of them on my Twitter if I like it enough. Um, my drawing tablet had like a weird flicker for a couple days. Um, so I was just drawing like in my little like note. I, I bought a pilot's log book when I was in Victoria. Um, and I thought that's, that like makes like a really like kind of like cute little like drawing book. Um, and I just drew like Roger from American Dad for two days in a row. Um, while I was like in the gym, like on like the on like the on, on the like elliptical. So that was uh that's what you'll get if you follow my Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, no. Your your Instagram is a lot of fun. You also drew like a Peter Griffin at one point, I think. Just going for all the Seth MacFarlane types. Um But yeah, you can follow yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at like a Wolverine. You can follow me on Letterboxd also at like a Wolverine, where you can see a list of films we're going to cover for the show along yeah among other stuff um you can find the show show on twitter at gold popcorn pod you can find it on instagram at past the golden popcorn and you can email us at past the golden popcorn at gmail.com yeah so if you're yeah yeah if you want to cancel us just email us informing us so or or don't, you know, or find to go uncancelled. Yeah, and if you are a family member of someone who was lost in the Oklahoma City bombing, uh, can you give the Twitter again? <laughs> Just for them. Gold Popcorn Pod. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah our, our theme song is by Matt Samard, uh, potentially with a little Ben twist, since we don't have new theme music, but we have... Uh, a bit that I just yeah yeah you, you um our, our listeners would have heard it uh on the I think it's on the first villain episode so um it, for those for those um adamant listeners that was recorded today and I had a lot of fun doing it 
Ben, you sent this to me, and I was at the mechanics getting, like, a tire patched, and I was just sitting there in the waiting room, and I... And I heard heard you go go. I'm Dracula at the end of that, and just almost <laughs> lost it in like a very public space. Um, but yeah, Ben also oh. does our artwork. Yeah, we are on friend friendly mush that has podcasts about Scooby Doo and Doctor Who and Full Metal Alchemist and other stuff. Um, and yeah, if you like the show, rate, review, subscribe. And all that's left is to talk about what's coming up next week. So, next week takes us to 1996, and the nominees are Jim Carrey, Batman Forever, Tommy Lee Jones, Batman Forever, Joe Pesci, Casino, John Travolta, Broken Arrow, and the winner... And definitely going to be super fun to talk about. Kevin Spacey in Seven. Um, wow. Yeah. Is he double nominated for Usual? Oh, I guess that's a spoiler. Okay. No, they 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 did not. There's like a few years where I think MTV was trying to preserve twist villains a, a well, little but, bit. But Spacey in Seven is also a twist villain, so I guess. I guess they're inconsistent about that. Yeah, it's a bit less of one, but... Sure. Yeah. This was one. Our friend Jack almost was on this episode for Batman Forever, and then he saw who won, and he's like, yeah, no, maybe not. But but we'll we'll have fun. Like, some of these movies... The rest of these movies are... I mean, I also enjoy Seven as a film, despite... um, I mean, I will say, I, I recently found out, and you could use this in this episode, that Michael Stipe, was the lead singer of R.E.M., was apparently an original choice to play that part, the spacey part in Seven, and I think that movie would be incredible. So, you can oh. you can imagine that alternate universe on that episode. Yeah. Maybe that's the same alternate universe where Alfred Bansom shoots from her show. That'd be nice. Um, But yeah. But that uh, but that's coming up for next week, and until then, you know, keep passing that gold, keep passing that golden popcorn, or I guess snatching it because villainy, and you know, ju- just re- just remember, um, if you're gonna make a big thriller film, maybe consider y- using a needle drop that isn't. U2's Joshua Tree album. Like <laughs> yeah, you, you use use Octum Baby. That's the one yeah. you use. A, yeah, obviously. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I don't have much else to, to add. Um, I hope everyone loves the new intro. We're going to be using it for the next like 30 times. Unless Matt... <laughs> Yeah. gets over his like writer's block but yeah i still might add the little ending bit <laughs> it might be too iconic at that point <laughs> yeah all right bye everybody goodbye Sorry, my, our cat was knocking at my door trying to knock it down wow